I saw what they're planning to do. They're like locusts. They're moving from planet to planet. Their whole civilization. After they've consumed every natural resource, they move on. And we're next. The summer blockbuster is something we've talked about quite a bit. During Adventure Month, a few months back, we began to trace the origins. Beginning with Jaws in 1975, big-budget, high-concept films generally took the summer by storm. Steven Spielberg was the first master of the summer blockbuster, but many other directors soon followed. One of them was Roland Emmerich, who is known as a master of the disaster film. Disaster films are a great way to do high-concept filmmaking. High-concept films usually have a simple premise meant to be easy for audiences to understand. Often it takes the form of a question, such as Jurassic Park's What If We Could Clone Dinosaurs? Oh, what's so great about Discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what explores what you call Discovery. I call the rape of the natural world. Three years after Jurassic Park, Roland Emmerich had his own high-concept summer blockbuster starring Jeff Goldblum, Independence Day. I believe like that there's life and other life form out there in the universe, but I always like doubted that they come visiting us because I always think they're like not that special, you know. What what they care about us, you know? We're like hitting each other constantly, we're killing each other, we like uh, kind of make this planet dirtier and dirtier every year. You know, why should they come to us? Probably like kind of give us a warning, you know, like parents saying, you know, stop that. The high concept premise is incredibly simple and Emmerich came up with it while promoting Stargate. Let's say that you wanted to uh, coordinate with spaceships on different sides of the Earth. You couldn't send a direct signal, right? You're talking about line of sight. Yeah, that's right, exactly. The curve of the Earth prevents it. You'd need satellites to relay that signal in order to reach each ship. Well, I found a signal hidden inside our own satellite system. What if you woke up one day to 15-mile-wide spaceships over every city? Fox greenlit the project with a $75 million budget. The cast is huge. Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Randy Quaid, Vivica Fox, Robert Loja, and Judd Hirsch, among others. The film set special effects records, 3,000-plus special effects shots, usually done on set and in camera, and often with pyrotechnics because Roland said, oh, no, there's this, this great new technology that can just paint the wire out. Like, what? You can go in and just paint right on the film? How How is this magic possible? Um, <laughs> so, we, you know, they, they set up some cameras, some high-speed cameras, and, um, you know, again, this was still in the model shop. We're doing the test. Uh, we just had very thin cable or monofilament and just flipped these cars right at the camera. Twice as many miniatures were built than for any previous film. Models of the White House, spaceships, city streets, landmarks for the aliens to destroy. One of the uh, really neat miniatures that I uh, have worked on was the first aircraft that you see in the movie, which was the AWACS. Chris Simmons did some electrical work on that and helped put the detail. I designed and built the uh, rotodome that you see slowly rotating and... Uh, to get the speed right, Mike Joyce had this gear reduction motor that's made in Austria for uh, model trains. So it was really slow, but it was, it was good. Also groundbreaking was the huge marketing campaign. The first ad premiered during Super Bowl 30 
and cost $1.3 million. A deal with Apple called The Power to Save the World had Jeff Goldblum using a PowerBook 5300 laptop. Clock is ticking. You better hope you got the right computer. Taglines for the teasers included, don't make plans this August, and we've always believed we weren't alone. On July 4th, we'll wish we were. It debuted on July 2nd when the movie begins chronologically, and it became the highest grossing film of 1996. Joining in the tradition of the marketing, since this July 4th is a Tuesday, we thought we'd talk about Independence Day on Independence Day. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and bad takes. Matt Strachbian, aka The Letter Hack. You can find his art at The Letter Hack on Twitter or Friends of Strachbian on Instagram. I, of course, am your host who has decided to join the side of the aliens, Forrest Miller. Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Movie night collaborators, more like it. Am I right? <laughs> Good one. I uh, we started half an hour late because I had to make sure with my new alien, like uh, you know, like uh, co co producers on the show, right? Because yeah. you know, they, they they do it from the ships actually that are like above us, like the fifteen mile wow. ship. Yeah. So I had to make sure with my new co producers, um, you know, at at uh, at the Alien Network that um, you know, we could do this. They finally said yes. Uh, there's a few things that I'm gonna have to blank out. If you guys say anything too negative about the aliens, um, I'm gonna have to cut off your mics. Yeah, it's, it's okay, hi you, you hijacked those satellites for a reason. That's fair. <laughs> um, you know, they're also our new sponsors. Um, aliens. Finally, they're, <laughs> aliens. They're coming for us. Aliens. They gave me money. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just promo code. If you use the promo code uh, Earth Gone. Uh, right yeah. now on the alien <laughs> website, you can save 15 to 20 percent, depending on uh, how they feel about, you know, your specimen, how much they think you might collaborate, you know, um, when when the bulk of humanity is gone and your resources. Right. They want your resources. You can actually it's kind of like one of those pawn shops. You can sell them your resources if you really want to. The minerals in your body, just really, you know, any of that. I, can I just say again, and it's off topic, sort of that <laughs> intro song. 
Best in the business. You can say it as many times as you want. No one can touch that. <laughs> I, oh, we're uh, we're actually getting it. rid of the intro song though, and now it's an alien-approved one. Exactly. Use all these well, alien yeah. instruments. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's, it's Trilillion Opera. It's it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, what's the uh, yeah the fifth element right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah with the third the third uh uh what you Collins? I forgot. Hey, it's Christina. <laughs> <laughs> well, she could watch. She just can't. Uh... Yeah, they, yeah, they 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 didn't like the thing she was saying about aliens online a few days ago. They kicked her off the show. Off. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get get a yeah, very strict, strict, strict but fair. He's a wife's name. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> this is it's a, a on rewatch. And I've seen this movie a lot, and this is a movie uh, Independence Day. I feel like is sort of perpetually on cable. Like yeah. so, I I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of it at least forty times. Like, yeah, and at least at least always this this time of year. Well, certainly, yeah. But it, it's it's just it's a uh, it's just one of those it's just one of those ones. I on a full rewatch, you know, which I I definitely when I watch things for this show, it's I approach it differently, just watching for the heck of it. Kind of a subversive conservationist uh, message here. Because if you think about the fact that the aliens are like coming to these planets to strip mine them, right, and like move and move on, it's sort of like very much. There's a lot of things that are beating you over the head in this movie, and that's part of the appeal, frankly. But like yeah. that is not one of them. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting if you think mm. about it. I think about like this late '90s, like what was going on around then. Uh, not the least of which is like, I, I, this is evergreen. I feel like when the White House gets destroyed, everyone cheered in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's also um, it's also pro. Pro military, but anti CIA, which I appreciated a lot, right? Like the, yeah. the CIA Defense Department guy is like this sniveling little fucking government bureaucrat, and yeah. like all the military guys, including my favorite Robert Loja, that guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like they're, they're all they're all heroic, and I, and I do appreciate King. that about it, right? Like the the yeah. rank and file military commanders and the generals are all like, you know what? We like these guys. Those are the most, you know, those are the people that are going to be watching the movie too. And they're like, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna create some conflict between that and the CIA that's been um, hiding area. 51 Who's wrong on almost everything? Also, yeah. that's another thing to notice is all of his instincts are wrong. He's the first one to like every time there's a good plan, he's the first one to start trash talking and be, and be critical of it. Uh, and contrast that with the other big blockbuster guy, especially around the south, Michael Bay, right? Which is just like open mouth fellation of the. Uh, <laughs> Of the military-industrial complex, this, if, this even in Transformers, though, right? which unfortunately I watched, it was like there, there was like a, a rah rah go militaries. I was like, why, what? Yeah, why is this in here? This is a movie about <laughs> fighting robots. Get back to the good stuff. Well, yeah, you know what's even weirder do... is that that Transformers movie is set in the same universe as the Friday the Thirteenth reboot, um, because what? one of the characters really? that's in that movie is in Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, that's weird. Um, I, I just think if you're going to do pro-military stuff in the Transformers, it's got to be a G.I. Joe crossover. Otherwise, just back. Lost opportunity, right? right? Yeah. yeah. They're finally I mean, getting it, by the way. I mean, at some point, you got to bring uh, you got to bring Barbie into it, too. You know, with the new. I thing. don't know if that's. No, I wouldn't I want, go that far. All but. toy and all toy universe. Uh, you know, like like Barbie movie. Friday the Thirteenth. I'm into. I but, want I uh, want Adventures Endgame, but with only toys, right? Like it's all so, the most yeah. prominent toys, and they all have to fight each other in like the biggest toy crossover of all time. So who, I'd watch the shit out of that. They're also making a Hot Wheels movie. Oh yeah, the only good Transformers uh, movie is the animated I mean, one that came sure. out a few years before I was born. Yo, that was so good. I was a kid when that came out. That was great, but traumatizing. 
where it's just like, hey, we're going to kill off like a good quarter of the cast. And like, what? Yeah. Well, so, so into that. Yeah, it, of, it was great. That's a great film. Speaking of kids, like, who, like oh three God. of us saw this in the theater. Yeah. Forrest in the crib. He was being, busy being a baby. <laughs> like literal crib, right? Yeah. But, so yeah, not like at, not at his comfortable oh, house that was well decorated. Yeah. The actual crib, but yeah. This oh was I, like yeah, I wasn't living my in friends a, and I. I was it was living great. in we a like, comfortable house at the time. I was living in an apartment in Brooklyn when I was a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's cool. But this was like a big deal for us. This was like we went like a bunch of us went to the theater like this is going to be great. And then when we left, we were like, that was great. It was culturally it was ubiquitous, rare. too. It was completely yeah. impossible to escape. There were tie-ins. And people think about this stuff now, and it's just it's just the way it is with these big blockbusters. It's a tie-in with McDonald's and with this mm -hmm. and with that and the other thing, right? But, like, this was just 360 marketing, I think they call it now, like, to, like, it never unparalleled levels because it really hadn't been done in that way before. Uh, the Coke tie-ins is probably the most uh, egregious ones, where it's, it's just like, all right, yeah, brought to you by Coke. We get it. Uh, but, yeah, like Apple is in there. But, I mean, it, yeah. it, was, it was everywhere. And, again, the the marketing on it, what is it, like, don't, don't make plans this August? Yeah. Kind of amazing because you're whatever. like, what? Yeah. Why? What is this? <laughs> what's what's going to happen? <laughs> like, it, 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 it perfectly it, uh, was in the zeitgeist at the time, which, which is just like – the type of marketing for big blockbuster movies was very much, hey, this is what this is going to be. Here's what the thing looks like that <laughs> this movie is centered around. And then it was just this, this sort of like kind of mysterious, like, well, I guess it's aliens. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happening here. Uh, and it came out right around the same time as like everybody was so tired of here. Uh, I was about to say it, hearing about Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton's dick and whether he, you know, what, what exactly transpired with which blowjob when, everybody was so tired of hearing about it. Which goes back to what I was saying, that when everybody was cheering when the White House got blown up with that yeah, scene, that's, that's that why, had a yeah. lot to do with it. That's where moveon.org came from. It was a move on from the impeachment. It was like censure and move on. Yeah, I think that was a little after this movie, because this was uh, during the, uh, the re-election in 96. Do, 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 snap correction! Nobody gives a shit, Andy. Literally, no one cares, and all my points are still valid. But okay, sure. But, but, but it was just to kind of feed into the zeitgeist. Like people, like like that election was everywhere. I remember like being completely tuned out of politics at the time, which you could be a, you know, back then whenever you were uh, nineteen, yeah. it was possible. Yeah, um, and it was still like what was the um, Bob Dole? It was the Bob Dole election, right? Like where yeah, uh, yeah. Like Clinton had successfully out Bob Dole, Bob Dole, and Bob Dole didn't like the Clinton. Bob Dole out Bob Dole him. And then Bob Dole fell off the stage. <laughs> it happens. Um, but the, the first place that they, like, one of the first places they went and actually screened this, um, because, of course, the Clintons did this, they had the entire cast come uh, screen this at the White House with them. Oh. Um, I that didn't was know like, that. Uh, yeah. So that, like, that was, like, one of the famous things, like, um, right, like, a couple weeks after this movie came out, they were doing, like, all the press or whatever, and they put them on a jet plane, like, the entire cast. They're like, oh, there's a plane uh, ready for you. And they, they took them to the White House to watch it with the Clintons. So were they offended by the White House getting blown up? And they're like, oh, no, we got to get the people back on our side. Bring the cast. Is that? <laughs> I mean, I, I think they just like, like movies. Strategy. Yeah, I think that, I think they just like movies. I think they like yeah, movies I, and they hate lines. They they hate like the idea that you'd have to like wait to go see something. So they're like, they gotta, they gotta you know what? I love movies yeah. and hate lines, too. So that's very relatable. Yeah. That's one of the most relatable but, things hey, I've ever heard about the Clintons. I, guess I would run to the just to have that theater in my house. 
this bill no man i gotta watch i'm too busy watching wolf warrior 2 <laughs> me me as president they'd be like he hasn't uh passed a single policy but damn he sure has watched a lot of movies yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's kept the movie podcast going. As it's crazy. Nobody expected him to keep the movie podcast going when he was elected, but he sure did. <laughs> Strangely enough, the, the listenership is is about the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did it's you guys watch diehard uh, some diehard some diehard uh, chatters? And you know that's really it. You'd think the yeah. president would have like a, a, a blossoming. <laughs> you think it would have increased the audience a little more, but turns out Sam Cedar's the only thing that moved the needle on that show. It's weird. <laughs> I wonder how many of us saw Stargate in the theater oh, before Lord. this. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I did not. I actually. didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on, yeah, uh, I saw it on HBO video. or something. See, that's the thing. I was watching everything in the theater at this point. This was like hardcore dating years for me. I, for some I was, reason. I was too, but for some reason Stargate I didn't see. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think like the marketing was that good on it. Like, like it kind of came and went. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. But I thought because it was I good. Saw, I thought it was hardcore. I saw sci-fi. Universal Soldier in the theater, and I'll never forget that because oh, yeah. the, uh, uh, it was '94. Uh, so I didn't. Here's the thing: I didn't have any money. '94. I I, mm-hmm. I moved out, and uh, I was like working a minimum wage job at Tower Records. And I had no money for movies at that time, so that's why I didn't see it in the theater. But I remember looking forward to this because of Stargate. So somehow I made that connection without the internet. That this was yeah. the same director, which was you know not easy to do back then if it wasn't like Spielberg or something. Well, he interestingly came up with the idea to make Independence Day on the circuit uh, doing Stargate. He was talking to a reporter um, that was like you know talking to him about making Stargate, and he's like, "Yeah, well, I've I've always wanted to do a movie, you know, like what if there were fifteen foot aliens that just came down?" And he like pitched the movie to a reporter, not like without thinking about it, and and afterwards That's his awesome. like uh, co his co producer was like. I think you've just come up with the idea for another movie. And then, you know, within like two weeks, they pitched it to Fox. Wow. Well, it's so, it's interesting because around this time, there really weren't a lot of movies like this. There were big blockbusters and actually arguably some more science fiction related blockbusters than people give it credit for. But like this specific kind of movie, there wasn't a lot of it happening around that. They had existed in the past for sure. Uh, but it was bef- way before. I mean, there was that ill-advised war, the world's remake, like that they made later on. Like a lot of ones, kind of followed this, but like there hadn't been a big like aliens invading movie in a long time. If there were aliens, it was like Alien or Aliens, where it happened in some far-off area and in, in the, in the far-off future in some other galaxy. Blah blah blah. It wasn't like grounded in such in such a way that you saw hilariously the Empire State Building, not the World Trade Center. <laughs> get exploded you know like that level of grounding where like oh this this is meant to make you think of like what would happen here and how people would react to it like harvey firestein's character i gotta call my brother i gotta call my lawyer actually forget about my lawyer you know <laughs> like which any movie with harvey firestein i'm usually like that's great harvey firestein's in there awesome yeah yeah it's, it's like yeah he could take a bad movie and just you know Make it's it like, oh, the guy doing the thing. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> I like that he uh, kind of gets lost in the fray of this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's good enough, and the cast is big enough and doing enough, which this is like 10 movies at the same Like, There's the so universe. many. Yeah. yeah. There are so many characters and so many plot lines. And the first explosion, the first big explosion is like 51 minutes into this movie. It's and then they crazy. kill off like half the people you've been following. Yeah, and they. Yeah. And, and they <laughs> They give you just enough for each of the characters to make you like them. Like, you know, Harry Firestein with his old, like, I got to call my mother. I got to call yeah. my lawyer. Forget my lawyer. You know, you know, uh, th- th- that bit. They got they got the stripper. Oh, the, the one stripper. I just did? Right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Yeah. It. yeah, the stripper. 
the strip. You know, yeah. just in case people forgot. The, the just in case people only tuned in three seconds ago. Like, yeah, yeah like they give you three seconds. The stripper that uh, the the stripper stripper that, made the sign for the aliens. That, that is like oh like you're going I to the, they I hope back they bring Elvis. Elvis back yeah, <laughs> yeah. well yeah like all, all all the alien fans yeah the best the best thing about the whole movie of course we, we cannot sleep on this for too long because we're 20 minutes and we haven't brought it up the newscast that actually says don't shoot at the UFOs oh with the with the like it has like the gun and the UFO and amazing yes. fantastic yeah that's Just, that's deeply hilarious yes. but. Getting back to the thing of there being so many characters, so many plot lines, it's like you get a whole season of like Lost or something. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh my God, there's all these people, like all this stuff's going on. And yeah. And then like, but the way it works is that like when you do kind of like lose a bunch of them, you actually do care. Even though you're you're like, look, I thought this was about like UFOs. Like what, what's happening here? Like what, what, what kind of film am I watching? And uh, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, Stevie, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I think that it's, it's kind of a balancing act because it is exciting because you get like the buildup. Like you get, look, Jeff Goldblum is great in this. Jeff Goldblum is always great. But when he gets like the readout of like the binary and like, and, and like he's like, you know, thinks he's discovered something. Everyone else is like watching the news and stuff like that. Little things are really like, well, what does this matter? Who cares? And it's like, oh, that's in, that is like literally the key to like this entire thing. Like it doesn't bop you over the head with a sledgehammer, which is crazy because this is one of the least <laughs> subtle movies ever. But there are things within it that like, no, that was very important, and it's you know like like okay, Randy, uh, Mr. Quaid, right? Like you're just like who's this drunk dick? Like what's this? Why, what is he fitting in this? Is a different movie? What are we watching? Like he's a bad father. He's he's dusting the wrong fields. This and that. But it manages to pull it together in a way that like oh, okay, that's obvious, and it seems obvious after it happens. But when you actually are watching it, you're like oh yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, I guess he can fly. Sure. Like it makes sense within it. Like it's very it's very almost overscripted like you could have dispensed with at least a third of the characters and it really wouldn't have mattered yeah like i love mary mcdonald what is she doing in this movie that like she needs to be there no, yeah. well no. it's like a saga she dies so there's yeah, she all dies. these yeah. players and they all have backstories and they're all like taking their moment in the spotlight right it's like a big epic saga and then it's like okay now it's an alien and movie, they're likable right? too even, like, like even, uh even harry connick jr first uh, even for the very first part of it, right? Like the the Asian guy that's working that discovers the aliens in the, in the beginning of it. Yeah, and he's like yeah. working at the base. He comes back later when Jeff yeah. Goldblum was trying to figure it out. He's still at the thing, uh, pacing around in Area Fifty One when Jeff Goldblum's trying to figure out how to make the spaceship go. Like that character's there again. Um, like there's and, and that just like, would not happen now. Like if someone's making be like. Like Ryan Johnson gets like grief for like having too many characters and having to have too much going on and having like having too much like plot that like maybe like people think is not relevant to it. But like that was pretty common. And we've been trained in movie making now, like, oh no, you have your one character you care about, maybe you got the foil, you've got the sidekick, you've got like, you know, like whatever. These like these these specific archetypes, but like, oh yeah, you gotta keep it to about under five characters. Otherwise you're gonna lose the audience. There was nobody thinking about that in this movie at all. They never, and never at one point, oh, that, we're going to lose the audience. No, no. They're like, no, we've got the audience. We got this. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think one big part of it um, is that, like, they're trying to appeal to as many people as possible. And it's interesting because you can do that on a bunch of different levels, right? Like, you can create, like, um, like very emotional situations that everyone's like, oh, this definitely resonates with me. I think at this point they've realized that, like, you don't even really need to do that, right? Like the characters don't need to be, they just need to have a relatable sense of humor or something. But in this, it feels like they're creating all these characters because they're building a world 
where uh, the, the the biggest amount of people possible, right? From like random ass rednecks to like some, you know, to some guy that would be dating like a stripper, but also working in the military to like, you know, uh, the president of the United States to like the military. Yeah. It feels like they're building a universe where the most possible audience members are like, oh shit, that's like, that's like me. Like that, that guy's yeah. a lot like my, yeah, my yeah, I want to get laid before the aliens blow me up uh, too. Just like that kid. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, well, the thing. It's like, exactly. The, the little scene of just, which is like, come on, baby, the world could end tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's, at the end of the day. Which, to be fair, just, is a good come on line, you know, especially. It is. Yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's still just a big, dumb movie. You know what I mean? Which is exactly what I wanted and and, and why I liked it so much. It's like, no, it's just going to be too big. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like they had to kill all those characters off. Well, you know I feel so. I, I feel like the way the way it works is that they actually they do a thing where you get investment in the characters before they're killed off, which is which is advisable if you want people to like care, right? It's, but I think what happens what a lot of times, horror movies do, right? Exactly. Like what what I what I find that fails is is where they give you like some somebody is like telling you reasons why you should care on the screen. The, the right. Star Wars yeah, prequels yeah. are terrible about this. Here's all the reasons why you should feel this way. Yeah. Don't tell me what I should feel. Show it. And even like stuff as stupid as the like, <laughs> baby, world's gonna end tonight. Like, let's go. Like that kind of stuff. You're like, all right, I know I need to know about that kid. Right on. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> well, although we never see him again, but that's okay. Yeah, um, and and and, like, and Harry Connick Jr. is a good example too. Like, like he was uh, this very charismatic. You know, um, uh, the the whole scene where he like is like talking about how to kiss the ass of NASA. And then uh, Will Smith drops the ring and he picks up the ring and yeah. the guy thinks he's proposing to him. And just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just oh, like, I'm not asking. <laughs> you didn't, <laughs> that really didn't need to be there, but like it gives you like a little extra depth of character, right? And so. you, you became endeared to him too because, yeah. uh, so, so when he dies later on in the dog fight, yeah. you know, you're just like, no, I'm not goose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of like anonymous red shirt number eight, right? Yeah, Where, yeah. yeah. And they um, also they also build the stakes up enough that you feel like uh, you you feel their friendship like really palpably because yeah. he's giving him like relationship advice, saying like, well, you know, this is how you move up in, in the military. Like you're not. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't get like, the promotion, and he gives him the the gives him like the well. Here's what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. They really build, dated, they build right? a very um they build a very uh, uh like realistic and like um like you know compassionate friendship i think in a very short amount of time just by that one scene where you're like well now i feel like i have stakes in this friendship like he's been friends with him you know presumably the right. entire time he's been stationed there you know what i mean like yep. he's he, even to the point where they've gotten drunk probably and like you know talked about his relationship that he he's in love with her but like you know wants to do better in the military and you're like damn okay so like you, you've gotten all that information uh put to you in the scene within seconds and it's like well now i don't want him to die so now when you see him literally punch out an alien, you're like, yeah. yeah I mean, I remember the crowd in the audience, you know, just like, you know, welcome to Earth. It was so interactive. Everyone yeah, yeah. in the audience was cheering. Yeah. And I, it was one of the few times I accept that. But I thought it was well, messed up you know, that he couldn't advance audience. in his career because his wife was a stripper. Yeah, I mean, it right? is messed up. That, like, that's, that's the point, though, like right? That, like, yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. But it just seems like nowadays they'd be like, nah, that won't work. Nobody would believe that. That was anyway. 1996, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there's also things like, you know, like little moments where like Will Smith is like looks out the window before he's like turned on the news and it was like sees like the people hurriedly putting stuff in the cars. Yeah. Oh, I guess they're moving out because of the earthquakes. That's crazy. Like, I feel like a lot of movies now <sighs> would feel like they would need to like 
have a scene with that family or whoever it was doing that and yep. like a set yeah. and like they don't bother with that but they allow it to kind of build the tension of like oh he still doesn't know what's happening yet yeah and that's and why it, this works and just right. like and he's going right back Park. to sleep again damn just right. like in jurassic <laughs> park where, where lord <laughs> relatable he's a dinosaur <laughs> it's like distracted by something else yeah 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 and, exactly and you see everybody mm -hmm. else's reaction around them and you don't see uh you know, you don't see the uh, the UFO until like Will Smith's like, wait, everybody on the street's doing this. What's yeah. going on? Looks up. And then not only that, you get the helicopter too swooping in for yep. scale. And that scale. So you see, it's smaller, gigantic. It's smaller yeah. and smaller. And just like, that's so cool. You know, it just, just gives this amazing sense of uh, perspective. Uh, and it really does make you feel like, yeah. wow. So I want to, I want to give, I want to give due to the, and uh, you don't, you, and just real quick, you don't see that in stuff like the tomorrow war and like recent ones. Like th there isn't that, yeah. that, that sense of scope and scale. And first of all, everything looks plastic and rubbery because it's CGI only. The use of practical effects are very important with that. But like, I like that it does take a while to get to the fireworks factory. You know what I mean? And I, I want to give due to the people that made the models for this because it's right okay. on the like it's right in the line between uh, CGI, you know, being a being a factor and stuff, and uh, you know, people still doing practical effects, which means it's in that perfect moment where yeah. um, you know the best it's the best of practical effects and it's the best of CGI. Small Soldiers by Joe Dante is the same way, where it's like largely practical effects, but there's like a little, little bit of CGI here and there, and that arguably is like probably the best usage of CGI rather than this full CGI. Yeah immersive world we live in and, and, and the more they do cgi the worse it looks a lot of times like uh you know overlying on it but um, and samey it looks samey it used to be like oh this is a phil tippett movie you could tell it's like phil tippett's work because like it looks like phil tippett and then like this is you know it's all of these different like uh artists artistic strokes to the effects themselves that now is like it all looks the same everybody gets download that same pack and you know grind on it yeah so this is this is from the making of actually i want to i want to introduce it with this first um this is how uh the making of documentary is introduced it's jeff goldblum um uh, pretending <laughs> he's taking us into a, a a secret lair that they've concocted to uh <laughs> so this is this, is this is a minute clip but after that i want to uh there's a there's a five minute clip that i found of them talking about blowing up the white house and they actually show like the the model and stuff which is really cool Uh, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Uh, hey, you ever hear of Area 51? Well, it's that secret place where uh, recovered aliens and their craft are supposedly being held by the government. Uh, well, they say that Area 51 doesn't really exist. But they say that about Area ID4, too. And look where we are. Uh-huh. It's Area ID4. For this seemingly desolate building is actually burgeoning with activity, secret activity, that they're trying to keep from us. See, there's a whole wealth of information that, if uh, uncovered, would reveal to us the secrets behind one of this summer's uh, most exciting and biggest movies, Independence Day. Watch this. See what I mean? It's not going to stop us. Okay, time for some good, honest labor, huh? Okay, we're in. No civilians ever gotten this far before. Uh, very soon we should be coming face to face with the central question in Independence Day. Are we alone? Do you know what CGI is? Uh, 
No. <laughs> He's doing bits. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> wow. He, yeah, he does. He does so many bits in, in this in that making of thing. At one point, he uh, just goes into like the. At one point, he just goes into the restroom and he's like, "I uh, first, I have to uh, uh, make a stop," and it's just like the men's room. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I was saying. Is uh, all of these like special features back then were on the VHS tape after the credits, so you'd have to like fast forward, watch the entire or thing, it. And, yeah, or and then forward, yeah. special features and deleted scenes. This Pretty one might cool. have been like a sci-fi channel. Uh, yeah, like, I was going to ask. Or like I, I think HBO, it was on Fox. Maybe? Yeah, maybe it was huh. on Fox. Uh, yeah, at, well, at that, time, that like, makes sense because Fox made the movie. But Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, think it's like on white. network TV. It, it sucks that – so one thing I really like on Prime Video is if you uh, – shout out to our sponsor, Prime Video, along with the aliens, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is if you if you pause it, like Wait, it'll tell you – This is an alien? <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it'll show you on screen what the actors and actresses' names are. Cool, very cool. Oh, that's yeah. a great. Yeah. That's yeah, a great yeah, yeah. feature. Mm -hmm. Like I love that kind of thing. But what I miss and the characters' uh, names, which is what I use when I'm writing notes for this show. <laughs> well, that can come in handy as well for different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like we've really missed something in current society and streaming society that we don't get these little like uh, extra featurettes and, yeah. and and like bonus stuff. Like, I, and that's one thing I like about the Criterion Channel so much. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, Criterion Channel, uh, because you will get that stuff. Like you get the stuff that would have been that, that is. Or or would have been on the Blu-ray or the DVD, and if you're interested, you can check it out. You know, and like it's that's fantastic. Also, I I used to enjoy commentary tracks, and like that's just like oh hell yeah over yeah yeah yeah. Especially as like a comic book artist, while drawing, you can watch the movie with commentary yeah. and never even look up. It's, oh, especially yeah, when Schwarzenegger's doing it, because because he'd just be like, <laughs> and this is the part where we drive the truck through the building. <laughs> it was really expensive. <laughs> Here's the but, part the woman has three tits. I want to see Goldblum's <laughs> outtakes, though. I want to see outtakes from that um, from that that from segment. That yeah, this is, but well, I like this is also like this is the point where Goldblum had uh, fully gone into being like a ham actor. Like, cause yeah, because we, we've yeah. watched because we've talked about the fly on here at one point. We've talked, like, we've watched. Yeah. Well, so, but I mean, we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, the body invasion of the body snatchers when he's in that kind of as like a younger actor and over time, right. He becomes more and more like, Hmm, ah, like I, Jurassic Park is kind like, of like the turning point. I think for the modern Jeff Goldblum, is here well, invasion of the body after? snatchers. He's, he, he seems like he's a little coked up or something. Cause he's, he's going, he goes full, full tilt in that. But I'm saying like, I, I feel like over time he, he develops that and I've seen him talk to like, I don't remember if it was like Stephen Colbert or something or like what host it was like a talk show host. I remember him talking about like his hemming and hawing and like, it's a very deliberate, I mean, it's uh -huh. obviously very deliberate, but like he has his own like, um, like words for what he, he does in those situations. And he's like, I start hemming and mm -hmm, like hawing. My favorite is still Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Yeah, is, is he our Across most covered actor dimensions. on this channel? Because because I think we've watched the most movies with him in it. Probably that'd be oh, a wow, great really? metric to be able to, huh. to to figure out. We might be. Able I guess to we just look at uh... we can look at Forrest Letterbox maybe because he yeah. usually logs the stuff that we've done. Uh, so I love that this. The, so the of the I was talking about bonus features, right? This kind of thing was my favorite kind of bonus feature of like, hey, we just had an extra promotional budget. And we decided to do something like kind of nuts, like whether it's like, you know, some quasi in universe thing or um, 
behind the scenes stuff, things along those lines. And it's crazy because if you remember when we did uh, the third man, there's that whole like documentary about like you know that sewer system <laughs> of like oh here's this, yeah. the, the sewer, which is crazy because yeah, like oh that's all really, real. They find some really good ones for uh, Criterion. Criterion's especially. like yeah. the best for that kind of thing for sure. Sometimes uh, they'll I just had... find stuff that was on like TV in Europe or something, and they'll just put yeah. like, uh, be like, "This is a European TV feature." Like, I think a bunch of the ones for uh, the Third Man were like European TV features because it's a like, big deal for that yeah. country, right? So it's a big. But what I was going to get to is that I, I and I've I've talked often on this show, more often than you would expect, about the new type of show, which is just like it's this person running around being this person, right? Like you know my my. Takeaway with that, the the one I mock mercilessly the most is the one where Sammy Hagar just runs around as Sammy Hagar, and I, I'm just like, I, I want that job, but I can't abide watching that show. But the best one is the World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is National Geographic, where he just goes oh, right, yeah. and he just runs around and oh, and he finds out how bicycles works this episode, and like he like runs around and does bicycle stuff, and then he like finds out how ice cream is made, and then he like, and I was like, this is oh. the best, the best thing, because like it's, but it's it's also. I don't believe it would work if it was anyone else. It's because it's him and how he interacts with it. And part of it is that kind of like, he's clearly a very thoughtful, intelligent guy, but like the way he interacts with all this stuff is like, you know, very clinical, but also like very emotionally invested. Like it's a very interesting show. I bet the Area 51 thing was his idea now. And I'll bet you he was like really heavy handed with direction and stuff like that. And they were like, all right, Jeff, back off. And he's like, no, no, I have a whole vision for this. I, 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 well, I, I, I think I, that I can I can really uh, come up with some some good ideas uh, in front of in What front if of I this touch fence? the fence? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, because think about when, when did the X-Files, when did the X-Files come out? It was like 93, right? So yeah, at the, uh, yeah, yeah. it was yeah, right around then. It definitely was not a hit in the first year. I remember that because uh, remember, right. it was uh, Briscoe County Jr. that was the one Everyone thought it was going to be a successful one. Yes. Uh, and yeah. then it, it took, I remember like, going to see The Crow thinking I'm never going to see the series finale, uh, the series finale of The X-Files. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I think it took like till its third season or so until it actually got like kind of like catching some some fire, if I remember correctly. Uh, so where I'm getting at with that is that Area 51, think about all the stuff that X-Files normalized for like average human beings that are not total comic book nerds like most of the people on this panel, myself included. Uh, the Area 51 would have been, like, not common knowledge. Like, unless you listen to, like, the Art Bell show or something, right? Which I did, too, also. But, like, again, (laughs) that's not a thing that most human beings were doing. So Jeff Goldblum's like, "Uh, uh, Area 51, interesting, because that's a very real place. And we could, you know, (laughs) like, it it probably was, like, you know, this this prototypical idea that, like, later on, uh, National Geographic pitched him to do a show, and he's just, like, wants to investigate something every episode. And it's it's interesting because, like, I think once you know that about him and has how incredibly inquisitive he is, I think his characters and what he brings to the characters makes sense. And that's why he's so great in this role. Which, by the way, he's great in this role, and Judd Hirsch as his dad is just perfect. Yeah, it was great. Great perfect casting. casting. Yeah. I also yes. uh, I think it's funny that um, this, this is like completely off topic, but with Jeff Goldblum, uh, he played Nick Kroll's dad in the league in the in like the final oh. season or whatever. Or like, oh, you like know what? I, I never saw the final huh. season of that. I watched the whole thing except for the final. I think, season. I think it was in more than just. I think it was in a couple seasons. It, were, it was like the Thanksgiving episode or something. Okay, but he I, came I, in as uh, as as Nick Kroll's dad, and I was like, that's such a weird like. It, they they look enough alike that it's like I, yeah I, I can see it but like at the same time like damn you guys really are pulling the the heavy well they started out. doing that thing where they'd have like celebrity uh, celebrity guests and stuff and I, I, I that's actually I was like you know what I think I'm out man. <laughs> 
I, liked, just, I liked when they'd bring in uh, football players, and I'm like, I don't know who any of these are. Yeah, well, that's too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't care about that don't, do you um, remember Judd Hirsch as, like, he was an actual heartthrob on Taxi back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Weren't the 70s great, everybody? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. And uh, I loved uh, his show Dear John in the 80s. Oh, um, yeah, which, that's right. Uh, first, first Dear John reference wow. on this show that I'm aware of. <laughs> wow. Well, they, they made Flashback. a. I mean, they made a big deal about uh, Judd Hirsch in like ordinary people, right? Like, uh, yeah, this, ordinary people mm-hmm. this year. That was the only know, other time he was nominated. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, so they were. Yeah. So they they kept on. I kind of felt bad for the guy. They kept on putting pictures of Judd Hirsch from you know 1980 next to yeah. Judd Hirsch in like 2022 or whatever, sure. right? And they were like, yeah. putting those pictures side by side, being like the only two times he was nominated. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I I feel like that that probably doesn't make him feel great about himself. Like. <laughs> or maybe yeah, he works. Yeah. You know, he's, and, he's, I, he's, and I watched that god awful TV show where he, uh, there was this immortal. Um, uh, yeah, that's not Highlander. There's no sword fighting in it. They replaced sword fighting with Judd Hirsch, and I wow. watched every single episode of that god awful show. Um, why do you do this to yourself? Why not involved? I guess because Judd Hirsch. He's, he's really he's really the busiest guy that ever lived. I think uh, he's always know. working. You know, I mean, like, oh, no, I'm at Andy. Oh, okay. I'm at Andy's ah. business. <laughs> wow. I'm, He's I'm in a Hunters. This. Hunters is a, that's a good show that <laughs> yes. more people should watch. What about um, the, the uh, voice or, or the sound effect for the aliens? Uh, what about it? Have you guys, um, oh, sorry. Did you want to go to this video? Oh, no, no, no. Have, I, I, you, you finish. Your no, talk. no. We can let you talk once in a while. It's all right. Have you <laughs> guys? Did you guys look into this at all? It was. It was two guys that did it. One was Frank Welker, who was the voice of Fred from Scooby Doo. Like, also, wasn't he Megatron? Uh, Soundwave. Soundwave. Transformers. Okay. Yeah, and and um, I think it was that one. And, and we regret actually, the error. He's been the voice of Scooby. <laughs> yeah, he's been the voice of Scooby Doo for a while now too. So anyway, totally weird, right? But then the other guy, and I know about this guy, his name is Gary Hecker. I know about him from um, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Somehow I, it was like a special feature or, or a credit or something that I, that I saw. He is, um, he's done vocal effects like for like 20-some, 30-some films. But he's a Foley artist for over 400 films. And Whoa. so that's the guy who does like everyday sound effects. You know, like, oh, we got yeah. a sword coming out of a sheath yeah. or or like a video gamer or a typewriter. So he's or, like, or we need we need somebody to walk here. Can you put uh, like cantaloupes? Yeah, and exactly. You're walking on gravel. That's, yeah, I, I've brought it up in the past, but uh, my friend Ryan Collison won a Emmy for that for Narcos. Oh, wow. Like, that's yeah, what he I'm, does. I have to I, wonder I, if 400 is a lot or not. It seems like a lot to me. Like he 400 that, films. Seems yeah. Like yeah. Um, I think that's about like like what a working foley artist who's done it a long time. That that's yeah. about normal. I think. This was, but Independence Day was like supposedly his second film. His first one was um, the sound or the voice of a bear in Legends <laughs> of the Fall, which makes me wonder why they couldn't get an actual bear to do it. Bart but the bear, whatever. you got to say, where's Bart? Yeah. Bart? Bart was around. Yeah, Bart <laughs> representation. <laughs> Isn't that? Isn't anyway, by the way, Frank Welker was in the, the Michael Bay movies as Megatron, which is where I got. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, we regret the error. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. So this, yeah, so this that, is that never doubted. <laughs> so, so this is this is them talking about blowing up the White House. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. Get like, us out of here. <laughs> play us out. 
doing the explosion of the White House. This model probably costs in excess of $50,000. I get one shot at it. There's a great many variables that go into the completion and the successful blowing of a model like this. One has to consider what the model is made out of, in this case, plaster. You have Blowing to know the scale, model? you have to know the size of the charges that you're using, how much gas, what the camera speeds are. Mike Joyce and his team of geniuses sat down and built this unbelievable replica of the White House. We're building that at 12 scale, which is over 14 feet wide, and we're going to blow it up and it'll look tremendous when it goes. This had to be a world-class product because all the cameras that we're setting up around here are within 10 feet of, of, of this particular model. And even though it's an existing piece of architecture, there are still things that have to be artistically rendered before it even gets to the model shop. Then the model shop takes all of those blueprints like you're really building a real house, and then they have to manufacture all of that. We put a lot of thinking into Everything was a mold, so every piece was built like the White House was built out of single pieces. The important factor is to make sure that you have a lot of information on film, so you want to make it as slow as possible. The normal camera speed would be 24 frames per second. It's one second of film. We're shooting tonight with 300 frames per second. So that means when the actual explosion takes place, you're slowing it down. 12 times. The whole thing looks 12 times slower in the end. Even though you're shooting 300 frames per second, if I was to use something like dynamite, you would have maybe two frames of explosion and that's it. You want to blow it up in stages and you want to see the pieces and debris flying out of there. Everything will be falling in front of the camera or jetting out the sides. And all the camera crews are going to be unmanned and everybody is in a safe position. That's clear, please. When you start to come down to that 10 minute mark, Everybody's very concerned because, of course, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours, tens of thousands of dollars, and what we really want to do is make sure that we just don't stub our toe at the last moment. We really only want to do this once. Roll cameras. Roll cameras, please. Hey! Hey! And action! Everything that I expected it to be, and uh, everything went off. We didn't have any problems. The timing was right. The debris was right. The fireball was perfect. And this is what's left of it. <laughs> okay. Now, if it isn't scaled down or blown up, when it comes to special effects in Independence Day, it's probably going to be CGI, computer-generated image. Want to see how that's done? blowing up the White House was something that one wouldn't want to do practically. So we figure out how to do that as a visual effect and how to creatively put it together in the computers. If you could actually go blow up the White House, it, we wouldn't need to do compositing. But since we don't want to really do that, we have a model and we have all these elements. My job on this particular shot was to add a model destroyer in the sky and a beam coming down from the ship with particles and it strikes the top of the White House as the actual model is exploding. Really two distinct fields of visual effects. One is compositing, the other is CGI, computer-generated imagery. The difference between the two is compositing, you're putting the elements together, and CGI, you're actually generating elements. The same way if you were shooting an element, you're actually creating something that didn't exist before. 
One of the beauties of compositing is that uh, rather than trying to do everything in camera, trying to do everything live, where you would have to have a model, you'd have to have a spaceship to scale, you'd have to have pyro and all of that happening at the same time, by compositing in layers, it allows us to choreograph each layer perfectly and then put them together. And it's really all about having control of each element as it goes together. The director's dreams can come true in a way that he can watch it happen on the screen. The aliens and the F-18s engage in the largest air battle in history, and we needed to put that on the screen. Modern leaders, you made the maneuver. It's the Independence Day CG department that we set up specifically for the show. Computer graphics is the 3D environment used in digital effects, and these animators are here doing all the, the computer graphics. Uh, we have an additional company called Vision Art that's also doing some of the graphics for us as well. Uh, on this show, we had a, several sets of challenges. One of the biggest ones was the dogfight scenes. We're animating hundreds of airplanes in the air at the same time. We do that plane by plane is just a really painstaking process. It takes a really long time. So you have to do not only each F-18 or each attacker, but then each attacker shoots and each F-18 fires missiles and tracers. You've got literally thousands of things to keep track of in the scene. Since we're doing this all with computers, computers are really good at simulating all those things. So we've written programs which do nothing but simulate the dogfight scenes in a, in a way that we have a lot of control over them. Because there's a limited amount of horsepower in the computer, we have to use primitives or these little dots to represent each of the airplanes at first. What you're seeing right now is white dots for each of the F-18s and red dots for each of the alien attackers. It's only stepping a few frames per second. It's only stepping very slowly through the dogfight, and that's so we can tweak each of the individual parameters. Funky beat. It's awesome. Yeah, I like I'm how he's like, sure this, this computer doesn't have uh, very much horsepower. I, I love the explanation <laughs> of CGI, making something that isn't there. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's uh, this brand new technology we got. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's a real time capsule, that video. It's yeah. awesome. Okay. It's just like in the movie when they're talking about a virus, right? Like a computer virus. Like, it, what's that? Oh yeah, my what God, is that? I'm going to give it a wow. cold, he says first. I'm going to give yeah. it a cold. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a virus. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, uh, he, he also has like, and I like that they advertise it with the thing, with like one of the first Apple laptops, right? Like the PowerBook yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. 3500 or whatever. And they're using it throughout the entire thing. And once you see it, like you can't unsee how many times he like whips out his fucking PowerBook. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was really spotless, uh, you know, just, just incredibly great. 1996 uh cell phone coverage too to be able to hack <laughs> computers like that and 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 track things and kind there of was a uh, there... you, have to, uh, you have to be like oh do you uh do you have an ethernet uh you know an ethernet <laughs> cable at the uh, we had dongle at that point an ethernet like... dongle yeah because uh, <laughs> it would have been a, a dial-up mode it would have been 56k would have been like top of the line at that at that point those computers they're so small though the God, the uh this there was painful. a slogan for that for that power book, whatever that model was, that was like, what kind of laptop would you choose to save the world? That was a real freaking, you can find the ad. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Pretty shameless. Yeah. I think I, had a, I think I had a couple seconds of it in the, that came Yeah, I saw, you, right, right, yeah. yeah. You had, you had like a little bit of it, but yeah, I, I remember that slogan because it was like, what? <laughs> like, again, knowing that like, nobody knew anything about this film before, before it came out, really. And, I love that, like, like one of the stated things with um, who who's the guy who wrote it? Because uh, they wrote it together, Emmerich and uh, Dean Devlin and Roland De Emmerich. Devlin, right? Yeah, 
Well, I know who Roland Emmerich is, but I, no. I remember the big thing is Dean Devlin wanted to be on this like big grand scale because I always disliked how uh, in movies like aliens are always like it's a cornfield like out in Kansas somewhere where nobody sees it. He wanted to be on a really grand scale, and in that to that same uh, that same thing, I know Mary McDonnell accepted the role because somebody their agent pitched a film by saying it's about 15 mile wide spaceships and she's like i'm in <laughs> which i think is yeah. fantastic oh yeah did did for alien invasion what i think movies like um 28 days later did for fast zombies you know what yes. i mean oh, like yes. put it on that scale i'd love to see more stuff like that like ghost movies and horror movies where everyone sees it right spielberg was going to do War of the Worlds around this time, and he chose to like delay it by almost ten years uh, yeah. because of it. And also, Mars Attacks was was about to come out at the same time, and they ended yeah. it. It was like six months or something, right? That they delayed it. Mm. Well, Mars, yeah, Mars Attacks was supposed to come out. Um, this movie came out obviously July. Mars Attacks came out in December. Yeah, so but it was, was supposed like to come out month. like. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to come out like at the same time. They're like, no, push it. <laughs> and then and then there's all these quotes from like uh, Tim Burton and like his producers being like, we've got to beat out Independence Day, which they were never going to do. But like that was their like being like, uh, we've got to we've got to, you know, take them down. No way. Can, can I can I tell you something that the Mars attacks shares with Independence Day? They use the same White House interiors, which they also oh, use really? for Nixon and the American president, Aaron Sorkin. Hmm. Which, uh, by the way, um, was uh, uh, came out like right uh, after they finished filming uh, this movie. So like like it was in that kind of sweet spot. Uh, I yeah. looked that up because uh, I was like thinking like because uh, uh, you saw my review from last year because I watched it last July 4th. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you liked it on Letterboxd. For wait, the review of American President or review of this? Of, of uh, Independence Day. Oh, of Independence Day. Okay. Got yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I was just curious because, like, uh, you know, um, uh, basically this wrapped up filming uh, like a couple months before the American President came out. And right. uh, I think this does Sorkin better than Sorkin ever did. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. This, this, um, this had a lot to live up to because I think Waterworld came out the year before, right? Sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that up. Uh, I I know it does hold the, the record out. for uh, yeah. Strike that from the record. Uh, <laughs> it holds a record for the most miniature model work, or at least it used to to appear huh? in one film. I know that, yeah, or, think, or at least it, it did for a while. I don't think it's been surpassed. It. Yeah, mm. it's 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 pretty extraordinary, frankly. And honestly, it, it beats it, it also like uh, by like some crazy number. Like it's more than twice what. No, it's like an insane amount, and like that's one of the reasons why I think it still holds up frankly yeah so well, somebody they, did a someone did a, a documentary got him um, more like aaron dorkin <laughs> yeah. somebody someone did a documentary Ooh. with the team that did the models for this movie and it's like oh, a more recent yeah. documentary um where they talk about a lot of the stuff uh it's like a you, you can look it up on I'll, I'll find the name of it but you can look it up on youtube it's like a 14 minute documentary nice um we were working on the playa vista Lot, which is the old Hughes helicopter facility that had, somebody had been smart enough to convert into a soundstage. And, you know, we're trying to turn it into a movie studio. But we were, we were in a, a pretty good sized building for our, our model shop. And we started out doing some tests. They wanted to see if what they wanted to do would work. Mike brought in Joe Scosel and the tests that they wanted to do, uh, Tom Greep, myself, Greg Stuhl, 
built a bunch of buildings, and then we basically attached them to a platform that was hung vertically. So the street had a slight angle to it. So what they would do is then put the camera up here. So you're looking down the street. And then Joe put a, a nice big bowl of benzoyl peroxide and uh, a little bit of black powder, whatever he was using to, to set it off down right underneath that so that the fire would be just this, this wall of fire just moving right up the street. And it worked beautifully. And again, this was, a, this was just a, a test that we were setting up to do. It worked so well, it ended up in the movie. And then we filmed a, a bunch of like uh, 16th scale cars that we bought at Toys R Us and basically wrapped cable around them front to back. So when you pulled the cable, they would flip towards the camera, right? And because Roland said, like oh, no, fire engine. new technology that can just paint the wire out. Like, what? You can go in and just paint right on the film. How, how is this magic possible? Um, <laughs> so we, you know, they, they set up some cameras, some high speed cameras. And, um, you know, again, this was still in the model shop. We're doing the test. Uh, we just had very thin cable or monofilament and just flipped these cars right at the camera. The deal, you know, it was like, see if you can hit the camera pretty much, you know, we had a piece of protective plex up there, but, Roland just wanted them to smack the camera if they could. So we flipped these guys. And then we had some smaller cars, which we kind of pre-broke apart. So doors would come off, hoods would come off, tires would come off. So we set these up and then used what are called air movers, which is uh, just like a big blower. You have a guy underneath it and just kind of, it's like almost a big hair dryer. And just, so it would blow the cars towards the camera. It was a really good transition film because it was the first time, you know, we built miniature F-18s for the show. We built miniature alien spaceships for the dogfight sequences. Shooting those planes and, and uh, alien craft interacting on a stage, you know, at the scale that they wanted to do would just not have been possible. You know, the, at the end of the film where you've got a hundred planes and a hundred alien ships engaging each other, you know, they were just scratching their heads. How are we going to do this? And the guy, $1 billion dollars. Oh, concept of flocking and swarming that we can do. And we can, we can actually build a CG model of these aircraft. And, um, they did. And I thought they looked great. You know, they, they did a really phenomenal job on it. Uh, but it was interesting for the, all the destruction stuff, we definitely wanted to do that for real because particle effects weren't where they are today. Fire effects were nowhere near where they are today. I mean, you just, you couldn't break stuff up while the computer power wasn't there. It's true. And it looks horrible when you try. Funny <laughs> how everyone's overly relying on it. Funny how the interviews with a guy who keeps talking about how other guys did stuff. Like, why don't they interview them? Who Who is this chap? Just the boss? 
Like he's like, yeah, and then we got this guy to do this, and then these guys were doing this. It's like, what the hell did you? He's do? the face. Everyone else is too nerdy to be on the camera. No one else is articulate. Like well, or garage. or maybe or maybe this is like a good intro to uh, you know to like socialism. You can talk about the managing class. You know the people that oh, just yeah. kind of sit around while other people, you know, like the the workers, right? Like the laborers have to do the. Yeah, he got paid thing. six figures. They they got paid minimum wage, <laughs> or they were all union and they had like a scheduled break, and he was the one non-union. Guys, so he got <laughs> on like, camera or something. Um, no, well, that went in a direction than I expected that clip to take Sorry. us, but yeah. uh, yeah, I, I, I once again, practical effects, man. It's well, it's, it's you're practical right. effects are timeless, and CGI is grimy. I love, I love the, the thought of them like taking a bunch of Hot Wheels cars though and just trying to, yeah, that fire engine, like, like that's a perfect example, <laughs> like where you see that fire, and like if you see that on a big screen, you're like, oh man because it's a real thing with like actual weight that's moving in a way that real things move and it and looks good too footage. like, like uh, i just rewatched the crow on uh my nice new hd tv and um uh i gotta say like the the effects of the the miniatures used in that really don't hold up on the hd tv mm. i mean it's, it's different yeah, sometimes you don't want that hd yeah 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 <laughs> so, so the crt well you know watch it on the old crt screen uh you know the the with the 400 lines looks way better uh, than watching it on an HD TV, but um, it's, it's like motion smoothing when they have that on, where it's like, what is happening? Why does everyone look like a shitty cartoon? <laughs> but way, I love that uh, they we had to trade. We had to trade Christina to our sponsors uh, in order to get <laughs> a contract that allowed us to, uh, you know, to to be the the number one alien podcast. We we have actually outpaced <laughs> Joe Rogan. Because all the aliens, you know, are 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 watching, are are just sending us through the, the computers. He didn't, you know, he didn't trust the injectables. I did trust the injectables from the aliens. So, you know, yeah. we we've outpaced Joe Rogan here on the number one alien podcast. <laughs> We'd like to welcome our new overlords and our new sponsors, who are the same thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this week, uh, the part of Christina will be played by Letterhack. Exactly. <laughs> That's a permanent I can't edition. hold a candle. No way. So, but I think uh, the it, it works for CGI to be like touch up to remove uh, wires and things like that. That, that works. I, I have no problem yes. against that. What I have a problem with is it being used for literally everything, which is what every way just does now as the default, and it all looks terrible and plastic, and all looks the same. And that goes back to what I was saying before about oh, you could always tell someone came from Tippett Studio. You could always tell someone came from. Uh, you know, this one or that one, like whatever. I mean, going all the way back, like think about Dawn of the Dead, right? Like the real Dawn of the Dead, not the Zack Snyder one. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so, a lot of times. Wait, Zack Snyder made one? He made a movie, all right, and it was fine, but it shouldn't have been called <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. Uh, that they were just coming up with stuff on the fly. And it's like, it ends up being like really unique and ended up being influential in its own way because of that, which is a separate conversation. But the lack of practical. That too. What's that? We had that too on our classic episode of Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, which is the first Renee Ruin episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, the but the thing with that is is that all these movies now, especially like these big quote unquote sci fi movies and action movies, they all look exactly the same now, and and, and I hate that. And like it's and so I'm always it's always interesting when something actually does something stylistically different. I feel like some big budget filmmaker should just use practical effects and models, and it would it would it would instantly be a hit and people wouldn't even be able to articulate why they liked it. Unless it's like the thing where they then reshot everything with uh, CG and made it look like shit. Yeah. It would be cool to see a movie 
about what that guy was talking about. You know what I mean? I always want to see like the behind the scenes movie, not like Dirty Rock, you know, where they kind of make it like a, a satire or whatever. But it's something I think it would be cool to go back to like, you know, what kind of headbutting was there between the CGI and the practical effects guys or, or was there harmony and how that work out? You know, like I feel like I'm missing that story from history. Yeah, or like uh, you could you could like stage a fucking documentary where it's like drama between the fucking practical effects and CGI teams. Yeah. They're both trying to like you know get more and more uh, control over like a, a movie like Independence Day because it wouldn't work now because you know now they'd fucking uh, it's there. It's there like, is no practical effects team the, on most movies. Yeah. So, but yeah, it would it would have to be staged around this time period. This late '90s, like early 2000s, which yeah. is hilarious because they did not have CGI as masters they thought they did back then. No. Right. Oh. No, but I mean, when they use it sparingly, like, like look how bad. I, I was just gonna. I, well, what I was gonna say is the prosecution would like to present the evidence of Jumanji for the record, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, of course, for some reason, Spielberg saw Jumanji and goes, "That's the monkeys I want in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull." Exactly. Let's steal from the best. Yes. I just, uh, I just had a firework go off outside that I thought was like static for a second. Like it sounded like something, and I was like, "Oh my god, did I just blow a light or something?" And I was like. Oh, no, wait, it was like the, the static side of a fucking firework. We got the grand finale going on right now over here. It's crazy. Yeah, I, can't, I can't hear I it, though. Don't good, have, good. I don't have any neighbors setting off fireworks just, just like in the parking lot, which is so nice. <laughs> is we this, get all that. Is this, I don't care about any of that, sorry. <laughs> uh, is this one of Bill Pullman's best roles? Because I think it is. Like, yeah. as, as the uh, president. Like, it's over the top, but like, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, heckling for forest heckling forest was his yeah, best I was, role i was gonna say it's that's not, a short uh, film that's not a yeah. feature length film okay okay fair enough uh i i think it's amazing that, that the speech he gives the speech right uh apparently nobody was coached to like cheer and applaud afterwards but people were like so into it they just like did it like spontaneously uh, wow do you think sorkin got really mad when he saw it <laughs> Like he's like doing a line of blow, going like, "What the fuck, man? This is what am I doing here?" <laughs> yeah, but but they set it up so eloquently, like with like you know the it's it's John McLaughlin, everybody of the McLaughlin group, which is hilarious. Which it would be like like Lawrence O'Donnell is always the one that plays that character now, where like someone's on the news telling yeah. you about the thing that's happening because that guy is just shameless about wanting to be on the television, just like Anderson Cooper. Uh, Wolf Blitzer every now and then. Every once in a while, yeah, if you're feeling nasty. Uh, but but with Bill Pullman, they talk about him being a fighter pilot, like almost like, you know, like three or four minutes in and how like, oh, but everyone thinks he's a whip now, blah, 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 this and that. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, so Lone Star, fine. Okay, fine, that's sure. Lone Star's good as well. But That's like, true, but uh, yeah. Up to the- That's an and, ensemble. Okay, hold on. I'm going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Settle the fuck down. And like we can talk about lost the chat on the screen. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Conan, go. <laughs> okay. So you get this buildup of him, and like, what kind of leader is this guy, right? Like, and the fact, like, you know, oh, hey, we're gonna use this nuke on the on the uh, spaceship, and like, they see, yeah, you guys, you gotta do it, you gotta do it, you know, like whatever. And he's like, you know, hemming and hawing about it, doesn't want to like make that call. He does. It goes over and over with this and then you kind of forget like oh yeah this guy's the next fighter pilot so then when he gets in the fighter pilot to go fight with everyone else which to be clear is preposterous but it works because this movie is completely over the top 
That's why it works. And it's great in that way because you're like, oh, yeah, well, you've been, like, seeing this guy over and over again. He, like, seems like he doesn't want to put people in harm's way. He's, like, making these tough choices. Is that? Oh, yeah, I guess he is a fighter pilot. All right, sure, yeah, why not? Why Why wouldn't he fly one of these planes himself? Sure, absolutely. Well, it's, uh, it starts off with him kind of having that, like, Zelensky energy, right? Like, where it's like, oh, like, this is a guy that, you know, Congress is, like, hitting him over and over again. He's kind yeah. of getting unpopular. This is, like, a politician. And he's like, oh, I'll stay behind with my country. And it's like, it's that kind of, like, Zelensky energy. And then it, it definitely, I, I don't think it jumps the shark because it's such a big, you know, uh, like spectacle of a movie but then it's like oh well i'll just you know get on top and i'm gonna lead my country uh in, nah, in nah. the fucking plane itself so you so you interrupted me before i was done and so what i was gonna say is the only reason that works is because of that ridiculous sorkin could never speech frankly yeah like but because mm -hmm. of that and again, as a movie, I think if you're talking about like an actual situation where somebody's like, come on, we're not going to let you. You're the president of the United States. We're not going to let you fly in this fucking plane. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I but the thing is, like, you get so wrapped up. And if you're again, if you're earnestly engaging with this film in the over the topness of it, when it gets like one of the best, like pseudo jingoistic, like, you know, for freedom speeches like ever in the history of cinema, then you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let him fly the plane. And then later on, wait, why do we let the president fly in this? <laughs> like everyone's getting shot down where does anyone know where the vice president is oh yeah the vice president was killed they also they also show you oh, like yeah. uh you know like the israelis like, and palestinians kind of coming together and it's like all which, of these uh hezbollah banned the movie because of that uh because yeah. because because they didn't want images of uh, hmm. uh those everyone being partners which i think is kind of says a lot about the state of uh what the movie's trying to say because it, it got in a heavy-handed way it's like oh well it's it's uniting against the common cause watchman was invoked earlier right in especially the comic book and i guess a little bit in the Zack snyder vehicle like you get like oh it would take an outside force to be able to get all these disparate forms of humanity and these disparate governments together to fight with each other and, and set aside their differences so a threat to the entire planet that qualifies Mm -hmm. small things like where like how do they get across morse code everyone knows morse code right i think that works that that is that's like all right cool yeah i could see that like it's all just plausible enough that as long as you're engaging with good faith and again i'm not saying it's it's the most intelligent movie of all time because it really isn't but it works in all the ways that it should work which i just wish most blockbusters could pull off and like armageddon no no, no man <laughs> no you're right it's like it's like if you don't like this exact movie it's because you don't like these kinds of movies but that doesn't mean right. that you have to like these kinds of movies exclusively right like this is the right. one that you can't not like you know what i mean it's like you can watch a terrible movie and people will say oh sometimes you gotta have fun it's like no that was a terrible movie this is not a terrible movie. This is not a terrible movie. I agree. And, it's and, and unapologetically big time blockbuster. But it's a good one. I feel like the fact that it knows it knows that, right? And right. I, I wonder how much of that is is the fact that it's like a German guy writing it, right? Like it's not yeah. a rah 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 America first kind of uh, you know director that's directing and writing Bay. it. It's uh, it's it's a very. I mean, you can just tell from like the the small clip with Roland Emmerich where he's like, oh, you know, it's like the the aliens. You know, they wouldn't necessarily like. Why would they come talk to us? Like he's kind of a, a kind of silly, uh, a, a very kind of silly uh, kind of metro german man 
that's writing this, and it's like, and he's not approaching it from like a from like a starship trooper standpoint, but he's yeah. but he's approaching it with like yeah, with, with that kind of self awareness that isn't crippling self awareness, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where, where where it's like he knows he's not trying to make American propaganda. He's even a U.S. citizen, right? I mean, like, or is he? I don't know, but <laughs> like, he's not. That's not the goal of this movie, and it's not meant to be like a, a satire in that way. It's it's meant to be an embodiment of this the, the rare case of it is exactly what you think it is, but it's also awesome and it, that's um, so rare for a big blockbuster for me this is this is uh this is an interview he did on set um <laughs> while while filming this i kind of uh i i find this like i i feel like watching this i kind of know a lot more about him as a person because he's like he's kind of just like a silly guy that's like talking about you know why would the aliens come in, in this i mean come down yeah. and talk to us like you kind of realize the um it's not like he's satirical about this movie, but like he's coming at it from a place of like, I'm trying to entertain and I'm trying to create uh, a large spectacle. And I'm kind of like, I understand that I'm kind of a goofy character to be doing this. Do you believe in UFOs? You know what? I don't really believe in UFOs. I believe like that there's life and other life storms out there in the universe, but I always like doubted that they come visiting us because I always think they're like, not that special, you know? Wait, let me try to find it and pull it up because it's not the, the... well. And 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 again, just to reiterate the point, I think the letting the president fly off in the plane to go like fight the aliens only works because of how like it's been building to like this is you know uh, dark night of the soul for like a thing's gonna work. He gives this again. Aaron Sorkin can never speech. I I I think that all works, and it's is it ridiculous? Goddamn right it is. <laughs> but you know, it's like. Again, there's 15 mile wide spaceships we're talking about. The whole thing's ridiculous from the jump, right? So, I mean, that's that that's why it works. Do, do you think Aaron Sorkin created the West Wing to try to match the speech in this movie? <laughs> when did that did, did that debut in '97? Uh, I think it was '98, but yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. What What was he up to? Well, he was he got a hit. Well, he's up to American President. That's what he's up to. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had American they stole President. the set, so it must have been on his mind, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Matt. What do you think? What do you think about the uh, the, the speech and the president flying away? Oh, it's epic. It, yeah, it had to happen. I mean, the speech, the delivery of the speech is better than the speech, really. If yeah. you ask me, it's like the way he he could have been saying anything, and it, it wouldn't matter. It's like the way he delivers it is like, I, this guy's in charge. You are all going to follow him, right? He's like the leader. Like it's undeniable. And so he seems to flounder at one point and he starts rhyming. He's like, we will not go gently into that good night. (laughs) We are going to go and give them a fight. But then he flies. He's like lending. He's in the trenches with them, right? He's like, he's like, you're not alone. I'm going to go with you. It's like the ultimate leader, man. It's very old school. I loved it. You'll never get a president like that. uh, the writer yeah exactly that's why it's fiction <laughs> but like apparently devlin like wrote the speech in like five minutes oh, as really? a placeholder with the idea that they would oh we'll change we'll change this up later and they're like no this is great that's <laughs> like, great like, don't change anything but he was like he didn't think he was like ah we can do better <laughs> you know what i don't really believe in UFOs. i believe like that there's life and other life so out there in the universe, but I always like doubted that they come visiting us because I think they're like not that special, you know. What what do they care about us? You know? 
We're like hitting each other constantly. We're killing each other. We're like uh, kind of make this planet dirtier and dirtier every year. You know, why should they come to us? Probably like kind of give us a warning. You know, like parents saying, you know, stop that. Value the nature for something like that, but overall, I think you know, I'm a very skeptical person. Anyhow, I don't believe. It. I think it's nothing. <laughs> now, I want to know what do you think aliens would say if they saw your film? I get it. Like probably, I would be like the Arabs. They would be totally depressed, you know, because like the Arabs constantly get like uh, used as like bad guys in the Hollywood movies. So they were pretty much like with like kind of like stay together, probably with some like other Arab nations, some protests, you know against our movie and say it's not nice of you guys but we can take that hopefully they're not come before we have our movie released afterwards we don't care anymore and what did you put in the time capsule we actually put the movie trailer in because we kind of wanted to kind of like uh, take some uh, you know of the movie itself but we could like actually take really something from uh, the movie because it's not finished yet so we Fair enough. I mean, this movie is a time capsule. Yeah. Oh, I just, I just, I, I love you, the line where he's, you could uh, not make this after nine eleven to be explicitly, yeah. freaking clear. Good point. But I, I also, I just love the line where he's like, you know, as the aliens would look at it like we do with the Arab, like the Arabs do. You know, is that like you portray us yeah. very badly in this movie, like this? <laughs> yeah, we do. We do not burst from chests. We do not uh, blow up White Houses. He, he, Can also we say, the, uh, he also says the fucking uh, Big Lebowski thing where he's like, we believe in not, I believe in nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the design of the aliens, both the aliens themselves and their little bio suits. The yes. That they yeah, have. they kind of have that uh, that that uh, alien autopsy look, that, that gray alien from the X-Files, but more. A lot of yeah. KY jelly. <laughs> very, yeah, very <laughs> wet. Very, mm-hmm. Not a, Weirdly, not as wet as uh, uh, Giger's designs, of course, but uh, who who could be? Um, but I like that they had they came up with the two designs for the aliens, and they just used them both. Like, oh, this would be the regular alien, and this would be the alien, and then they're like battle suits, which I thought was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, I also really love the fact that uh, the aliens have the same tolerance to heat, cold. Yeah. Um, you know, like we have they're a perfect not... planet for them. They're they're literally they're literally just like our you know our biome. The only difference is that they're better at technology, which in every single war, you know what I mean. Like the person, yeah. like the group that exactly. wins, like it's humans versus humans, and then whoever has the better technology, a lot of times, you know what I mean, like ends up uh, being able U- to U.S. versus you. most places. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's kind of a kind of genius way to do it, like um, because you know you're like, well, these are not that big a threat as long as like Will Smith can literally just punch one out like he's Chris Rock or something, um, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> there like, it is, mark the time, hour eighteen minutes. Yep. <laughs> well, it's been on my thing the entire time. Chris Rock got the alien treatment, but um, no, really like, did, yeah. <laughs> but like it feels like well the, the thing you're really surmounting here uh is the 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 technology like the bio yeah. technology suit and, and henceforth mean? removing the shield removes that technological advantage and, and allows yeah. them to win and that's again i didn't get you know whatever there's a third third fourth time i've seen it again not counting the 40 to 50 times that i've seen scenes of it uh on cable uh you know just like bits and pieces here and there but that was one of the takeaways i have as well as the again the conservationist message, which which is so subtle and oblique that like I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh yeah, like if these aliens, like like because nobody stops to think about why the aliens are doing this, right? But it's like, oh no, they they basically rape and pillage planets. 
that's what they do. They like run, they're like locusts. They, they is how they say in the movie, right? And I think about it in this terms of like, and, and this ties into uh, sometimes that makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. Interstellar, which we're doing next week, it's never mentioned like why the earth. Like, why is the Earth screwed? Uh, something to do with wind. Anyway, here's space and time travel. What? Okay, like, I guess it doesn't matter. But it fits. They didn't have to do an explainer for it, but they get it in a small little uh, bit of dialogue that's done extemporaneously that is not um, just exposition for exposition's sake. And, do, and that's ain't a lot. <laughs> I do appreciate that it's just classic invasion movie. There's no, like... <laughs> Oh, they they tricked us. They look like they were here to offer technology, but they duped us into slavery. I love that it was just like, nope, it's an invasion. Like it's that simple. Exactly. It's, it's doesn't doesn't need to be anything more complicated. They're evil. Than that. We're gonna have to fight them, and if yeah. we don't come together, we'll lose. So. Well, yeah, and and that unity, right? Like it's the unity that goes across that speech that makes yeah. it work. Where he's like, "Well, this might, you know, America might be first. This might be the Fourth of July, you know, like." But now it's all of our Independence Day. So can I say? Day. And we've talked yeah. often on this show about how, like, some movies that shall remain <clears throat> nameless uh, would have been better if they'd been called literally anything than what they were called. Independence Day is perfect for this. They originally the studio wanted to call it Doomsday, which is <sighs> so yeah. bad. And generic. It's like calling it Independence Day. This is the the perfect movie to do that. There's even like a call to unity of like, oh, no, this is Independence Day for like all of mankind, blah, 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 et cetera, That's et how you know they'll win. They wouldn't yeah. call it Independence Day if you were going to lose. If you call right? it Doomsday. <laughs> they might lose. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. That is terrible. That is... It, it would have been like no, Waterworld. No, nobody would have. <laughs> Although I did see Waterworld with the theater, so I have no excuse. <laughs> Me too. I did too. It was I mean, a date, it's, though. Thing, it's a great concept. The, the ecological message, um, I, you know, you'd have to guess with the uh, research. Which, which, to be fair, uh, Eric did do Day After Tomorrow. Things too, that get, like, um, like, like all of us, our wake-up call, right? Like to be yeah. better to each other and to um, maybe, you know, conserve uh, the planet that we have and to, um, you know, build a better White House next time, I guess, that doesn't blow up so easily. No, like... The, the thing that brings us all together when we have all of these divisions, when we have all of these um, things, and the thing, that, the thing that brings us to the movie theater to watch the side-by-side -side and cheer is that unity where it's like, um, you know, all of us coming together. That message, I think, is so universal by the end, yeah. by the end point, right? Like bringing all these different desperate it's characters. Independence Day. Yeah. yeah, every everybody gets you get to see this montage of all these different countries getting like, you know, getting the message, and then everybody like acts again. Finally, acts together uh, against this common enemy, and and it works. If you call it Doomsday, that ruins all that. That doesn't make it poignant at all. This is some other, this is a dumb thing to call a movie. Uh, also, I, it's important to note that the conservation aspect of things. Uh, this is the same guy that did Day After Tomorrow, which is that incredibly <laughs> heavy-handed ecological uh, attempted blockbuster that was not nearly as successful or good. Although I did see it in the theater, no. it was fine. I'm reading on Wikipedia about Roland Emmerich's house, and it sounds incredible. Um, Wait, did he, you get invited uh, over a pool party? Why are you reading about his house? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, it's on Wikipedia. He only has one house. He has, he has multiple houses. He has houses in L.A., I think, London, I think I actually watched, uh, New York, uh, and uh, uh, Stuttgart. Uh, but uh, uh, apparently he's I watched Day After Tomorrow at, at the movie theater, too. To come to oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Okay, he's a collector of art. Uh, which includes paintings of Jesus Christ wearing a uh, Catherine Hammett-styled T-shirt 
during his crucifixion. Prince of <laughs> Allison Jackson's work of Princess Diana lookalike, making obscene gestures and engaging in sex acts. A wax sculpture of Pope John Paul II laughing at his own obituary. Whoa. He, he, does um, seem, he does seem to be like the king of like meta postmodernism. Like a in, photoshopped both, image both of Iranian his, President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad doing a homer, in a homoerotic pose. But but like both his uh, personal wow. aesthetic and the kind of like <laughs> movies that he gets obsessed with is this kind of like meta postmodern thing yeah. where it's um like uh, looking at movies from from a, like an ironic distance almost right like how can we create the movie that brings in the mm. most amount of people with these like winks to the audience throughout it yeah I, I would say it's also less having that kind of art in his house and being like this is very funny this is uh you know all these things that I discovered from all over uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad uh, we we have Pope John Paul looking at his uh, obituary, but just all of these things come together in my house. Yeah. <laughs> just he like all has... the people come together in the movie Independence Day. <laughs> I, I don't feel it's ironic at all, though. It's the only thing I would say, at least within the movie, even though his artwork collection, which we're apparently we're hearing about, and classic after-party material, I might add, yes. uh, is that I, I, I don't feel like it's irony poisoned at all, this hmm. movie. No, not, and, this, and, not and, this movie. I'm saying... Uh, it's that's a, a kind of aesthetic it's kind of like an aesthetic that um sure. you you look at things from from a distance and you uh you give yourself that that distance to kind of consider them in like a postmodern fashion yeah um i i feel like well, that yeah it's, it's like this this is this is the informed you know late 90s like an informed uh world structure is the way it is what if war the worlds but like take it further down the line well yeah. the, the ironic thing at the core of um of this movie uh, is that none of the problems that you know we see very quickly in the movie, such as you know Israel and Palestine, or such as uh, ecological disaster, none of that stuff matters in the moment that aliens attack. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the it's a, it's know, a the unified overall, threat. Yeah, yeah that, that they're kind of winking at you with by showing you all of these scenes of things that are happening in the world, and it's like, well, none of that matters now. You know, aliens just came. For the cobalt for their PS4s. <laughs> hey, what about that part? What, would have been the PS1 at this point, right? If the PlayStation even out at that point? Nintendo 64. Coming out, 64, it came out right, right around that time. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, was it like Crazy Taxi? Was that the craziest the video game that came with that? I don't remember. Uh, but, but I think that it's, yeah, like it's, think of Starship Troopers, right? And think about how that is like ultimately like a farce that people didn't realize was like a satire or a farce. Mm -hmm. And I think this works because it's so straight ahead. But it's obviously yeah. informed from all of these things. Like you don't have like like again, you mentioned like the whole like please do not shoot at the spaceship, like, you know, image where it's got like the gun and the space amazing, you know, like and and hard relatable. You get like the people that are are like Apparently, I've watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind one too many times, and they're on top of that roof, like, welcome the aliens, like, take me with you, and all that stuff. And it's like, then they just get got immediately, which is hilarious. And you get the ET I, references when you know, they're bathing after the aliens. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, and it's, I, I, you know, like, it's, I think it all works because it's informed from all those films, but it's sort of recontextualized that, although it is funny because there was a War of the Worlds style uh, kerfuffle with the imagery and the advertisements being shown on like Mexican television, obviously absent of any context that it was a movie that apparently some people like was like, is this real? Like, what is that? What's happening? Oh. And again, think about like, I, 
There's a uh, alien invasion. <laughs> but think about like how much times have changed in like uh, you know whatever uh, twenty five years or, or however long it's been, right? That like that would never happen now. Never, 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 never. Yeah. You have to find like a tribe that has never seen like the internet. Uh, for that to happen now, but but in the late nineties, it's still like it's like the last vestige, which is hilarious because by the time you get to the early two thousands, no way, and that's what's it two thousand five that uh, Spielberg dropped that War of the Worlds with uh, Tom Cruise, yeah. which wasn't that great. Yeah, I think Blair Witch was the last time you can get away with it, and they did. Yeah, yeah. and they did that Good one point. time in the way that you can get away with making this movie one time with no sequels, <laughs> to be explicitly clear. Because I don't think right, any other movie right. does this. I don't know. You I'll are right. It's never had any sequels. <laughs> I, I like that point that I, I always think the best genre <laughs> films or, or stories apparently it was tech. build on all of the other genre stuff that have come before, right? So they right. use all the yes. tropes and themes that sci-fi do. But the best add to it and take it up a notch. And this this movie totally did. Like I was saying earlier, like when you hadn't seen an invasion like this before. And I think that that was a game changer. And so that's what makes it, you know, just like, um, what do you call it? Just like a milestone in sci-fi genre. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, cause they, like, Oh God. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, th- that's kind of a, a bit of a, the calling card that uh, uh, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin were doing at that time because they, they just did Stargate, which Stargate literally is probably the best uh, Raiders knockoff that, that you can find. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you think of it that way, and, and it, because they they took it in such a weird direction, they, they did something different with it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it works, but it really is like like that opening scene is totally Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and again, uh, it's we have an entire generation that was informed with when aliens visiting of being Close Encounters and being ET, and those references are here, right? Yep. But then, by the same token, look, I Come in Peace was not a huge movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like there were movies that had like oh what if aliens were really bad but not like big blockbuster movies like this and and it's easy to discount that notability and importance by what came after it especially cuz most of what came after it's pretty much lesser uh i would say in, in, including the war of the worlds that is apparently can't stop bashing but i'm sorry but that war of the worlds is not that great it's not good. yes but Steven Spielberg come on the show <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next week, Steven Spielberg. Um, uh, I feel like I feel like the scene that kind of set this and Mars Attacks is too much farce. Like I enjoyed yeah. it, but it's too much. It's too much, man. I, I feel like what synthesizes it in this movie, the scene like you know that, that pops into my head that most synthesizes like the the like kind of satirical element that builds on stuff, but also um, like you know the straightforwardness of it is fucking Will Smith just punching the alien. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, absolutely, which is. Absolutely hilarious, considering recent, uh, yeah, you know, recent ish. And, and he like activities. lights up, and he's like lights up, and he's like called that a third, like a, a close encounter of the third kind or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, what I mean? like he has that fucking line, and it's like the alien just got knocked out by his fucking. But like, there's just yeah, so there's much. There's an think, ET phone uh, home reference to somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if if this film had been made earlier or later, I don't think it would have been the same. I don't think it would have been as good because they're clearly, you know, after watching those um, those um, <laughs> short features, it's like clear that they're building on the CGI, right? And that's kind of what like it was played out before it was totally successful. I feel like, and so if it had been done earlier, maybe the practical effects wouldn't have been as 
good without a little CGI, right? So it was kind of like a sweet spot technology wise. Yeah, I never thought of it until now. But just like we don't get, we talked about it when we did with this movie. You you don't get what you got with Twenty Eight Days Later, with the really aggressively, like purposely, you know, low low budge early digital filmmaking that ostensibly revolutionized that entire genre. Yeah, and got a bunch of people ripping off the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, of which the worst thing is probably Blair Witch Project because there's so much shaky hand that happened that just people should be fined mm. for that or incarcerated, one or the other. Uh, but <laughs> like, I th- I think yeah, I think you're right. I think it has to have happened like right now. And again, you don't get that level. We haven't even talked about like one of the best marketing campaigns in Psycho. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But again, easily f- for the three of us that were like you know old enough to like remember it, it was everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> like in a Wait, way so, that I don't think you could even do it any game anymore. I remember going to church and my pastor uh was actually speaking about Independence Day. <laughs> wow. In what context? Revelations or but, but when no, Jesus no. comes back, it's going to be our Independence Day. <laughs> Fifteen mile wide. I, it, but but wow. yeah, it was like I don't remember the exact details. I wish I could. I really don't need awesome. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum when Jesus comes back. Let me tell you now. Let me let me. <laughs> it was just wow. one of those things that 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 have got, like, come back to me. Uh, you know, rewatching the movie and Wait, talking so about before, that nostalgia. Before we just... change to the marketing campaign, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about really fast. Uh, did you know that the last scene? <laughs> Goldblum three sixteen. <laughs> the, the last scene with Randy oh, Quaid, um, and they they blow up the fucking like you know the the uh, explosion that goes all the way up and then blows up the full ship. Yeah, and yeah, the the, that, um, the Randy Quaid suicide bomber. Yeah. Uh, so did you know that they just took the uh, the Empire State Building explosion and made and turned it upside down, and that's the same explosion <laughs> when the ship blows up. Really? Yeah. Respect. Respect. Well, so, so I they had see a different a split ending screen of that. They had a different ending at first, apparently, and uh, the the audience. The one thing the audience didn't like, the test audience, was the the original ending. So they're like, "Well, why don't we just have him having like they did change everything to Randy Quaid being a, a, a fighter pilot the whole time, uh, you know what I mean, from Vietnam or whatever." They they added that storyline, and then they added that scene and took the fucking explosion of the Empire State Building, turned it upside down, and it's literally the same. Like I, it took until I watched it. Uh, on on the clip for me to like realize that, but like it literally just is the Empire State Building turned upside down that goes all oh, the way wow. up. Yeah, I I mean I think that the, I don't think the Randy Quaid storyline is the I think it's the only one that doesn't make sense unless you have that scene. Like yeah. it's the one where it's like okay you can drop that why why is this guy I don't care about this guy like what's what's his deal Drunk like but, crop duster yeah I mean it's funny and it's like all right but like. If if there's not a reason why you get him after getting like his balls busted at the local diner for you know getting an anal, anal probe by the aliens, um, I don't think it matters. There's no stakes, right? But then like, I, and then it's like, well, how are they going to get it? Oh yeah, the president's got it. Oh no, his it's, you know there's no there's no missiles. Oh, and then it jams. Okay, so that makes sense. Like he's not just going to suicide bomb or a guy who has children is not going to suicide bomb. But then yeah. like he makes he makes that decision, and that's like it it it's. I was about to say it's believable. In the context of the film, it, the decision makes sense. It is yeah. isn't it a character doing something to advance the plot. Yeah. Now, did Randy really... Quaid th- know he was in a movie at the time? Because I don't. <laughs> ah, good point. That's a good question. He's like, "Where's Chevy Chase? Why am I here?" Come on, Mr. Randy Quaid. 
Clark, uh, I don't. Wait, this is, so this is the see. So this is the Empire State Building explosion, oh. and then they flipped it. They flipped it upside down. That's and then you could see the the, the, the piece of yeah. Huh. And that was like a last minute thing that they did. Wow. Wow. All right. How did it originally end? Um, let me see if I cut that part of it for. This. I don't think I did. Because I'm, 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 because I, it's hard to envision this ending like any other. Well, way. it was, it was I like mean, a similar. Kinda, I mean, it ends abruptly, like, like you know, it's just like I told you, I'd get you fireworks, kid. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, somebody, somebody gets a one-liner, you know, great, okay, that's fine. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. You know, I'm fine, <laughs> I'm fine with, like, a stinger one-liner. Good news, everybody gets, nobody's a virgin No, anymore. it was, there was. That's it, how it was Caddyshack crazy. ends, and it makes no sense in the context of the plot, but it's great. <laughs> it, it was, it was another Randy Quaid uh, thing. He either, like, drove in with the nuke and blew it up inside, and it was, like, too close for audiences, or, like, there was a different, it was just a different Randy Quaid mm-hmm. ending, I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay, that's, I mean, we don't, it's, I, I'm interested, but it doesn't need to derail the show interested is I, there I, is there a national lampoon's alien invasion because there should be i'm thinking now oh wow that sounds pretty sweet and then I they all know. could get laid at the end it would be totally uh, appropriate i know i know national lampoon senior trip they all get laid at the end uh except for the see, see what but, i'm but saying yeah oh you can actually watch the original ending i wonder if they'll flag you for that mm. i don't know you want to roll the bones on that probably not i don't feel lucky yeah, I don't, I don't feel that lucky. Just but send us all I'm, the I'm tenacious. I'm not lucky. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, it's probably time for one-liners, right? I mean, it's yeah, running on the later side. Uh, by the way, original ending, Russell was disallowed to fly by Colonel Mitchell, leaving him disappointed and frustrated. Um, however, he arrives at the end of the battle flying his crop duster with a missile strapped to its wing and flying it into the City Destroyer's weapon. So no. I think they, they just felt like that jumped the shark. That's yeah. too much. That's too much. For this also, movie. Wow. they don't have the manpower to be picky. They have more planes than they have pilots. Like, why would they That's be picky true. about it? Who cares? Who cares? You can, you can fly a plane. Here, yeah, great. There we go. All right. You, you, you've, played, uh, you've played on flight simulators before? Great. Jump at the plane. <laughs> like, they don't, you know, they're not, they're, to say they're not picky is, is a wild understatement for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, so. Are we ready? Are we ready to do it? I love this part. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> Letterboxd, of course, is a uh, social media site for film, for film lovers talk at within to each other about the movies they loved, the movies they didn't love, the movies they were weirdly horny for, the movies that they picked out the best cameo practical effects in, et cetera, et cetera. All of this, of course, is uh, it's a bottom up democracy, not just the Siskels and the Eberts of the world having their say. Everybody gets to chime in. Best done succinctly succinctly people uh which is what we do here for this bit this is the letterbox one-liners for independence day let's roll them this is like five movies in one and while four of them might be bad the fifth might be the greatest movie ever made i have no idea how to feel about this (laughs) true that's good good background by the way on this one yeah 25 years later, and there's still few things funnier than Harvey Firestein watching a ball of alien hellfire approach him and saying, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they keep, he's the one person you really see get exploded in this, too. Like, I mean, without like, you know, without being just like a random fi- fighter pilot, you have no you know, emotional attachment to. Nothing makes me feel more patriotic than watching the White House get blown up by aliens. Especially after these Supreme Court decisions. I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah they, they went after all- the wrong building. 
<laughs> I've been I'm just saying I've been angry all week and then watching the White House explode just like hell yeah brother the Congress building uh gets it too though but it's it's less uh, <laughs> less visible but they it, it does get got happy fourth and thank you Randy Quaid for your service you know you know these days Randy Quaid would not have given it uh, you know given his life for his country He'd be like, he'd be like, JFK Jr. is going to come back and he's going to make sure that, uh, you know, that we destroy the aliens. And I'm just going to oh. wait for that. And Randy here's a video Qu of me banging my hot wife. <laughs> Ra Randy Quaid's character in this would 100% be QAnon. There, there's no yeah. question in my mind. Like, that's, that's 100%. <laughs> Welcome to Earth, punch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I would have given him money to actually say that to Chris Rock. <laughs> He's like, welcome to Earth. That would have made that. Hope the, hope the gravitational force ain't too much for you, Chris Rock. Who needs the Avengers when you have Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, and Randy Quaid? Yeah, this really is like an ultimate crossover uh, situation. Like it's every and Vivica Fox. Like who who the fuck thought that? You know what I mean? Like she yeah, just yeah. did it. Like. <laughs> I'm in favor of it. Whoever made that decision, thank you for that. Yeah, and don't, don't forget too. This was like Will Smith's big, uh, you know, big break as far as being an actor. Like, um, you know, he he he. Uh, I mean, he was just the Fresh Prince before this, and he did maybe like one or two other films that uh, nobody watched. And this was his big break as a uh, to become a movie star. This is a story all about how aliens came down and turned the world out. <laughs> I'm doing my best eye work right now. <laughs> nice <laughs> it's very Kilroy Kilroy yeah <laughs> the best of this movie is Bill Pillman's you got to be shitting me facial expression when he finds out Area 51 is real <laughs> uh, well and, and it, it speaks to a real truth I feel like where like you know our presidents are kind of just disposable which isn't true with other countries right where it's just like every four years we get like a different guy and <laughs> <laughs> Those, hey, the Wilson. aliens gonna notice you. The aliens is gonna turn around. Is gonna notice you. But like, we get a different guy every four years. So like, they don't probably know all of the secrets, right? Like, it's a it's a yeah. weird deep state agent, like the fucking CIA spook that's in this that <laughs> that 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 would know about like Area Fifty One or something. Uh, did you know that the military originally was okay and going to back this movie? Uh, until they mentioned the Area 51 stuff, and they're like, nope, we're out. Yeah, and they wouldn't change sus. it. I mean, it's sus. <laughs> I love when Will Smith holds his, like, eight-year-old stepson a bag of firecrackers and just says, be safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing more 1996 than that. Exactly. Exactly. No helicopter parents back then. The shot of Boomer the dog leaping away from the explosion is one of the definitive images in cinematic history. <laughs> wow. Boomer the dog made it. And if, this movie would have been a lot darker if they had killed the dog, I think. True. It's, 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 like, uh, it's like Meg in that way. You know, the dog lives. It's how you know that, like, like you're going to be safe, right? This is, don't worry. This isn't going to, like, make you feel, too, you know, too awkward. Like, this, this is the blockbuster, people. Yo, the Meg, the Meg is a bad movie classic. I have to say, should have had Nick Cage in it. <laughs> Shit, good thing aliens still use Windows ninety five, or Earth would have been fucked. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the human, the wow. humans one, uh, you know, the humans one thing is that they have Apple. They have like an Apple operating system exactly. that you see them using the whole time. 
Thank you, that, Steve Jobs, for your service. That's a, that's a very <laughs> successful uh, merchandise tie-in, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> those are the Letterbox one-liners for Independence Day. Please, 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 please follow uh, President Pullman over there, who is the host of your show, Force Miller, uh, Movie Night Extravaganza. He's representing the show. Uh, he's getting the alien treatment and the Letterbox treatment. I am Kona Neutron. Could have been at a barbecue. I'm all over that biz. Working right along, uh, highbrow, midbrow, populist fair. I'm killing it on my Criterion Challenge. So follow me along for that if you feel so inclined. Uh, frankly, I definitely am going to finish this year. Feeling good about that. Uh, J. Andrew World, blowing of a blowing of a model, blowing of a model. Wow! Hey, he said it in the, do it. the video clip. I had to. Uh, is is all over. Is, is all over Letterboxd watching the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to, or maybe so you can. It is not for me to judge. I'm only calling balls and strikes, like the Supreme Court obviously is. <laughs> too soon? Letterhack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt Strackman is uh, not on Letterboxd I'm aware of, but after all of these uh, subtle peer pressures may maybe you, so who knows? I've been we'll thinking see. about it. Exactly. So not on there. Don't bother looking. Uh, but Andrew World, <laughs> blowing of a model. That's what you went with, huh? Okay. All right. I had something else before, but uh, I'm just, I couldn't, I couldn't help it after the guy said that of a blowing of a model. And I'm just like, <laughs> my King oh, Ghidra cool. lost a head. So I got to put this back on during, during the, uh, during the visual antics that nobody probably nice. saw. So yeah. I got, I got, I got the match set, Godzilla and Ghidra. Oh, cool. Nice. J. Andrew World, take us away with the plugs, please. All right, you're watching us on YouTube right now. Please do those YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And the big ask force is to watch the video to the end. That lets you hear a great Conan Neutron song that that our guest absolutely loves. And that uh, helps uh, other movie fans find our content. Um, Wait, Quaid Anon? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Solid. Uh, Randy Quaid's coming back. If he's gonna, he's coming back. He's going to take on the deep state. He's going to come back. Exactly. He's been blogging his queue for a while. <laughs> no, Randy Quaid saying Clark's going to come back. <laughs> if you're if you're over on uh, Twitch, please do the Twitch stuff. Um, throw us a sub. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free, and that actually gives us money. So please do that if you if you're able to. Um, we greatly appreciate that. We greatly appreciate money. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> We, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So uh, if you're on either of those, any of those three, follow us there. Um, sometimes we have antics there. So, so you know, find us, <laughs> follow us, uh, and see the antics. I, I um, want to say also, I need to say this right now, two years this week of, uh, of moving. Yeah. 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 It's two, uh, two, two beautiful, two beautiful years of doing this show with, with you know, with you fellas, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a marvelous, a marvelous time. And almost all of them have been good. Some of them yes. have been good. <laughs> I think one of them's good. Uh, this but, one, was uh, good. yeah. Stevie made the connection on Quaid. All right, well, there you go. Proper attribution. That's what this show is all about. Uh, yes. No, no, two years. Two years, and honestly, like, um, yeah, consistent, I'll say. Yeah, yeah. getting getting, yeah. getting better, though, you know? Two oh, years definitely. consistent, <laughs> but getting, getting better all the time. <laughs> Can't get much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Beatles fans, anyone? 
the uh you know started off started off kind of uh, a mess but we're here now you know we're here now exactly. and uh I'm, I'm happy about it we in here yes uh, um but uh, if, you, <laughs> if you can also help us out uh we have a patreon and the patreon uh you know it helps us do uh things like put the show on but also it allows <laughs> It allows you. There's nothing you said that is incorrect, but that's just a funny way to put it. Sorry. Are you fellas up for an after party tonight? Fourth of July after party. Oh, sure. Spoil what I was going to say. I, I was going to okay. say that you have access to after parties forever. Um, I can go there. Party, sure. Party, party forever. forever. Especially after on the Fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, unless somebody has a barbecue to get to. It's Sergeant Quaid's Lonely Probe Club Band. <laughs> wow, dude! I don't think that they. I don't think that they. Uh, I don't think <laughs> That's that they what we should call the after party. I I don't think that they. I don't think that they, they scripted anything with uh, Randy Quaid. I think they, the thing they, is just him this, just going off the dome. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I asked earlier if he was acting. <laughs> Did he know he was in a movie? Randy Quaid fucking stumbles in mad drunk and they're like, you've been, you've been probed. And he's like, oh, I, I've been, I have a story about getting probed. And they're like, great. On great, air great. five. Yeah, you've, you've been <laughs> probed by, with Randy Quaid. That would have been his show. Yeah. That's why they call me crop duster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of crop dusting. No, um, there was no transition from that. No, sure isn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so, so uh, anyways, Conan Neutron over here. Has a yes. great show called Protonic Reversal. Um, you yes. might have heard of it. Uh, there's a clue if you if you've been paying attention uh, to, to to what the show looks like. The background is that, yes. is that the clue? Okay, yeah, that is the clue. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. It's subtle. It's subtle, right? Yeah, it's um, pretty subtle. But yeah, uh, who, um, I know you just had a, a special re-air episode because uh, Rick Froberg. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, not not just a friend of mine. Like honestly, I haven't seen. Uh, so Rick Froberg just passed away. From uh, Drive Like Jehu, Hot Snakes, Obits. I don't know about y'all's world. I have a lot more music people. I haven't seen this many people like bummed out over somebody passing since David Bowie. Frankly, like it's yeah. a huge, huge, huge deal. No, no. Uh, like I'm seeing people like like in the political world talking about it. So yeah. And I so I reposted the episode I did with him uh, two years ago uh, with with some remembrances on there. I have a new episode this week. Uh, Jay Ryan uh, and Rick Pelter from uh, Six Finger Satellite. Which is awesome for people that are fans of that band. They have pretty mysterious. Don't do, do this kind of stuff often. And there's a reissue of Pigeon is the most popular bird that uh, is a pretty big deal in sub pop. So sub pop, if you've heard of it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, even I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I mean, let's be honest. Like sub pop is a good litmus test for a band. Like if they're on sub pop, sure. you probably should check them out. Just prob- probably should at least give it a listen. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's going to be uh, that's going to be this week. Looking forward to that. Really, I've been a huge Six Finger Satellite fan for many, many years. So it means a lot to me. They uh, coming on the show, so it should be a good one. Massive cocaine seizure. Stevie knows. Stevie knows what's up. That's like I think the first EP, if I remember correctly. Uh, <laughs> All right, Stevie. And, and of course, if you want to get some EPs and, and other music, like full length albums too, uh, you can go to uh, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. And, and the name of the uh, band is Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends, which you don't often say. And for a band name that's a sentence long, we need to be saying it more and more, people. Correct. <laughs> Kona Neutron, I, I, The Secret Friends. I, I should I should do that, yes. 
but yeah, you're right. You, you can get that music. There's a uh, I, uh, there's a new record in on in September. I can't quite. I'm so close to being able to talk about it. You know what? I'll talk about it next week on Aristotle. That's it. How, how's that for a stinger? Ooh, all right. There we go. Uh, also, we have some live shows coming up. Uh, playing with Poster Children, July fifteenth at X Ray Arcade in uh, Cudahy, Wisconsin. Um, we're playing at Cincinnati and Columbus, Ohio, twenty first and twenty second, and Louisville, Kentucky, twenty third. Madison, Wisconsin, on the twenty ninth. I have fall dates too, but again, can't say anything yet. So, and maybe and maybe some late August dates. But yeah, if you follow neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, we're on Songkick, uh, bands in town and stuff. You can. You don't, to, you don't have to wait for it to extemporaneously be be brought up on this show, <laughs> which is not the best way to get uh, live dates. Correct. I did six for Atlanta workout mixtape I made when I was fourteen. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely. There we go. Sergeant Quaid's lonely pro club line. Yeah, that was actually last week. This picture was taken. <laughs> this, this is actually no, no. A, a, it says a webcam at his house. No, the, the only difference between what he looked like, you know, in, even in the 90s and what he looks like now is he's developed, like, the full prepper beard now. Like, I've seen yes. his uh, fucking yeah. his, his Twitter output where he goes full QAnon. He has, like, yeah. the full fucking prepper beard. I believe it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I just want to say Christina's not here, but if you can, go to uh, coffee, uh, <laughs> K-O-F-I uh, dot com. <laughs> go to coffee.net. Christina's really struggling. Look what she looks like now. Buy her a coffee, y'all. Um, you know, she, she's out there dog sitting. She she can't be with us. She's with us in spirit, but the aliens have taken her body. So um uh they have excellent she, taste. She, she, she shall be missed. Um if you are they're like, they're like, this team. one's way better than the last one, Randy Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> if it's between Randy Quaid and Christina Oaks, I'm definitely going with Christina. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you're in the Northeast and uh, you, you can, uh, July 13th, which is a Thursday, um, uh, one of my favorite bands is playing. And afterwards, I'm going to uh, whoever's there, we're all going to go out and celebrate my birthday. There so um, uh, which my birthday is cool. the following day on the 14th. Uh, so so if if you are uh, able to come to Northampton, um, come see uh, the Fawns uh, live for free. Uh, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> or you will get this treatment. Yes. <laughs> so hear that, KT? Terrible. Coming for you. No. Um. <laughs> You're calling out guests by name. Amazing. Yeah, that's a, that's my expression exactly. <laughs> it's like wow. Good lord. No. Um. We are the we are the show that individually calls out its viewers to come to social events. This is uh this this is Andy heading off to his birthday right here. I still yep. don't know what the fuck this is from or why I had this. <laughs> I mean, it, God, damn it. It wow. came from the. Uh, do some of these. Wow. Uh, well, uh, My mind work isn't what it used to be. episode is where, where yeah, it came from. Oh, yeah, it was like, I don't know where you got it from before yeah. that. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Let's see. There's, there's, another, there's another good one. <laughs> All right, fine. Yes. So, so, so ah! <laughs> two years of this, baby. Two, two years, years of this. Ah! <laughs> ah! Well, we do a weekly show. Each one of those is a different week, right? Like, there you go. Yeah, everyone's a different universe. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so, 
<laughs> wow. Looks like Freddie Mercury somehow, right? <laughs> what? The, the horse? Oh, the centaur? The guy. Really? Right? I guess so. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe. I want to ride my bicycle. <laughs> I want to ride my bike. Because I can't because I'm a horse. <laughs> Audience is feeling like this right now. All right, it's enough. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Lean in. Yo, they're it's actually a, doing a live they're doing a live screening of Night of the Hunter uh in Kingston at the in, really? in um Yeah, in uh in August. They're doing like a like a horror movie month or something. Uh-huh. I might go see that. Nice. Cool. So so Matt, you have And then when you leave the theater show. it's gonna look like this. Oh never mind, I can't ever. <laughs> when it's I leave funny. the theater, hopefully it looks like this. Socialism. <laughs> I was gonna say, Matt, you have a uh, you have a podcast that that apparently only airs on Wednesdays and not opposite of Ben's show on Mondays, where you can see me every Monday night, nine thirty p.m. at YouTube.com/slash The Letter Hack. Also on Wednesdays. Now I've been interviewing people like so much that I've moved it to. Um, Sometimes twice a week. I had Olimio Learn a couple of weeks ago. I had Jeff Waldorf yesterday. I have DJ Exclusive from the Benjamin P. Dixon show, Like It or Not, tomorrow. Next week uh, on Monday, John Idarola. And on and on and on. I'm booked through nice. um, August where I draw my guests while interviewing them. It's very fun. We have a good time. It's been going very well. I'm, I'm really getting into it. I ask questions and I'm starting to learn from the answers and then ask the same questions a little bit different to the next guest, get that feedback and then revise and revise. And now I'm starting to, I'm going to have shows that focus on certain topics based on these questions and answers. So it's not, it's not random. It's all very pointed and um, yeah, it's a good time. YouTube. I think, I think one, of the, I think one, letter one question you should ask, you should look your guests in the eyes and this should be like early on. You should ask like, how do you think you're going to die? Oh, that's a, yeah, like that's right off, right at the top, yeah. right? That, that's yeah. a, I mean, I just feel like that gets into interesting places because you know, if you're like a hypochondriac, you have that formulated in your head. Yeah. If you're not, you're like, hey, I have something that I forgot to do. I'm gonna get off this. Just say because I know you've thought about it, right? Everyone thinks about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not gonna ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would, if I had a, if I had a show where I was, you know. I would just right off the bat be like, how do you think you're going to die? But all these drawings are going to be a part of a group image. And so I'm doing them individually so I can move them around. But also, if anyone gets canceled, I can drop them off. They don't have to be a part of it. Because I've done big portraits before where it was like, oh, this one guy Louis shouldn't C. be there K. now. I God don't know what to it. do. I should not have made Louis C.K. at the center of this image. You know what I mean, though? That can happen. So it's like, ah, I can't erase and start over. So anyway. It's modular, so yeah, um, it's going to be one group image. It's coming. Yeah, along. I guess if you I got like if you got a huge group of people, like there is a, I guess a higher Slippery likelihood people. that yeah. you might not want someone to be on there. Yeah, well, you can always it's easily turn Louis C.K. to five. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I and I, I say this with peace and love in my heart. I don't keep up because I largely don't care. But every once in a while, I do. But yeah, it was I like the day the day after I finished. Or like a couple of days after I finished, somebody was out, and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, <laughs> could, could you got canceled earlier?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like by like a few hours. How dare but you? By the that, time you that, that's like, like when a band drops off the, right after the poster's printed. Like, ah, oh, 
Yep. Not many cancellations uh, permanently like end up impacting anything. It's a different like kind of cancellation, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> like so, so I feel like at some point people come back. You know what I mean? Like I really thought the likelihood guy. of somebody coming. Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who, no, who, no. who knows? Who knows? <laughs> wait, turn into the after party to find out. Yeah. Are we done yet? Are we, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, we're we're we're. Um, yeah. So Matt, you got a, some final thoughts for us here. Yeah, I just once again, I really appreciate a big, huge summer blockbuster movie that you go into like, you know, these days you're so disappointed with movies for whatever reason. When you come out, you're like, well, now they got my box office ticked off and they can say this many people went to see the movie. It must be a hit. They never pull you coming out, you know, so you don't really know. But I think with a movie like this, I was so happy when I left the theater and the other, like there was like six or seven of us and we were all like, just so happy about it. It was so good. It totally delivered. Again, it's a genre movie that builds on everything that's come before in that genre and then takes it up a notch. And I, I, think I like that. You could I be think, like uh, disappointed. You could be like, I wish they pulled us on the way out. You'd be happy. I was, I was, I was like, I never you know heard of exit I mean. polling at movies, but sure. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, there was that, uh, you can find it on online. There's a evil dead Two uh, commercial. That aired on television where they actually did pull people, and they were all saying it was the scariest movie they've ever seen. And I'm just like, you feel that too? Really? Really? Yeah, two, two. But see, that's uh, my Bruce Campbell. <laughs> but my my point is that they shouldn't rely on box office. That's yeah. all, because it's it's kind of empty, right? But anyway, this one was badass. I love this movie. I had such a good time with it, and um, yeah, I do like that it pops up on TV a lot. Because you can watch like two minutes of it, three minutes of it, and feel like you watch it 40 times or whatever you were saying earlier. So, yep. yeah, anyway, really good. And thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate yeah, yeah, coming a back pleasure, on. Man. Yeah, you guys are fun. Uh, Conan, got some final thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a fantastic big, big budget big big blockbuster that manages to actually be deeply entertaining as well is it ridiculous yeah you bet is it over the top sure do i love it i do and uh that is such a rare beast that it's worth celebrating of itself and there's a lot of things that i adore about it not the least of which is a heavy use of practical effects and models uh over cgi can't stop saying it won't stop saying it uh this is the way if you want your movie to not look immediately dated frankly and i think independence day is better than most movies gets lumped in with by a pretty large margin yeah andy i think uh roland emmerich at this point in time is certainly an overlooked uh i don't know genius is, is it going a little too hard but like you know certainly like like uh he had this great run of films he had uh you know his u.s uh, hollywood debut universal soldier which um you know, it's B-movie schlock, but somehow he it, it, it's elevated above B-movie schlock. Um, then, you know, followed up with Stargate and then this, uh, uh, you know, making like this perfect trilogy of uh, of well-made films. Uh, and uh, has the stuff he's done after this, uh, uh, you know, equaled as good as what the, that was? No. But, I, you know, like White House Down, fun movie to watch. It's not good, but I mean, you, you enjoy it yourself. Watch, you know. It's it's entertaining. It, it, you know, it doesn't White House it, it, is down again. <laughs> and uh but but uh it's 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 entertaining. Uh but uh this this one actually has some, like more depth to it than say White House down has. So, you know, um this this is truly like 
I thought you were going to use the, the the time to talk more about Universal Soldier rather than White House Down, but okay. I mean, it's like your yeah. one time where you're on topic talking about it. But yeah, no, uh, okay, fine. You know, Universal Soldier. <laughs> um, <laughs> Commies, they're everywhere. No. <laughs> uh, well, well uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was because we have we we got to jump to the after party. So I was just going to say my, you know, I just wanted to give you guys a little speech here and say. We will not go gently into that good night. We will not give up without a...